I mean, my heart's beating, my heart's beating, my hands are shaking, my hands are shaking, but I'm still shooting, I'm still getting the headshots, it's like, boom, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. Just gonna send it. Welcome back to another episode of Just of Send It Podcast. Tonight's guest, we have the one and only Joshua Coons of Patriot Valley Arms. Josh, how are you tonight, buddy? Great, man. I think we should just do a podcast where we listen to your intro like five or six times. Uh, it's a pretty kick-ass pretty Hey, I, look, I don't toot my own horn much, but I think I put together a pretty <clears throat> fucking awesome intro to a podcast. <laughs> but, yep. How you doing? Good man. What's the I haven't talked to you in a while. I know what's the temperature up there right now. Uh, it's about three degrees north of Satan's ball sack, dude. It was yeah, it like, was like I, I think it's today. like eighty nine degrees right now, and it's eight thirty at night. The sun went down, bro. I was. I don't want to hear any. You won't hear it from me. I don't want to hear anybody this fall or winter talk about how fucking cold it is. And they can't wait for it to warm back up because I will literally slap you in the forehead with my dick if I whoever whoever says that is getting mushroom stamped because I'm so <laughs> done with this fucking heat, bro. I was, I mean, running ragged today in and out of this shit all day today, fucking dying. But um, I mean, I know people got it worse than I do. Some occupations and everything i know i guess i'm getting soft but i i fucking hate the heat i always hate the heat. Get, getting soft yeah right yeah <laughs> uh before we get started i have one thing i want to throw out there captain carlisle lupton cl captain cl bring it to the house he won the big rock kids tournament this weekend He's now captained four tournaments in the last two years working for this current, um, his current employer. First tournament on a new boat, on the new boat. They literally had not even fished a fucker yet. First time fishing oh, wow. was in the tournament, and he fucking wins. They caught three uh, blue marlin on in one day. Two fish were caught within, like, back-to-back. Like, they, they cut loose the, the first marlin. 30 seconds later, I think it was, I don't know if it was uh, the um, short line or one, but literally it could have been the same fit. It wasn't because they've got video evidence that is a different fish, but it it was mm-hmm. that's how close they were together that the fish they, oh, wow. they, let, they, they, they let loose could have dropped back and got tail wrapped or maybe even hit another, another line. Nah, this is a completely different blue. And he came up, they caught three. A man won $57,000. Well, the boat did. Um, won uh, fifty seven thousand yep. dollars, and uh, that is now he's two for four. So my man has won fifty percent of the tournaments he's entered in on with this new boss. That's awesome. CL's a fucking man. Like CL is yeah. a fucking guru. He is yep the HNIC for sure. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud. To, proud. I'm as proud as I can be. Um, so absolutely. Kudos to CL. 
Um, Especially this late in the season, too. I mean, that Blues are not biting. Like they're they're really not. This that's yeah. you know back typically around the Big Rock. Now I, I may be speaking out of turn. He'll correct me. I'm sure, but typically around the Big Rock between that week and then maybe the week, maybe two after that, that's when the getting's good. Um, it can end before the Big Rock. Like the blue the blue ball bite can cut off mm-hmm. before the actual Big Rock, and then. Um, but- yeah, that's what happened last year. Yeah, that's what happened last year. I mean, it, the the turnout was shit. Honestly, this year the numbers caught. It wasn't it wasn't big. It was not a, a lot of fish mm-hmm. caught. But after the big rock, the week after, it was hot. And I think the before the big yep. rock, it was hot. But then it normally drops off. Yep. So typically around the big rock kids tournament, it isn't like the bite's not hot, and it wasn't hot. But he caught three. Like that's yep. impressive. So yep. kudos. To yeah, Sarah. that's awesome. Oh, bird dog, bring it to the house. So, um, anyway, cool. Uh, what else you got? What you got going on, buddy? How's your week been? Oh, it's, uh, it's interesting. We, uh, we had one machine that was, um, just, I don't have a lot of hair on top of my head to, to pull out. I was pulling out what I had left oh, over man. this machine the last six months. You're going to look like and, a uh, principal so building in Saved by the Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that guy from the first Top Gun movie that's bald as a pickle. Oh yeah, the first, um, the, uh, yeah, 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 the, the, I guess the yeah. captain of the of the ship or whatever on the first, yeah, whatever he was with the cigar, yep. the yeah, the old greasy yep. bald head. Yeah. yeah, so we, you know, we finally we got moved that out, and I brought in a new machine which I was real excited about. I got a uh, Sugami M zero eight SY two. And uh, so twin spindle, single turret, Y-axis, you know, really, really nice machine, compact, perfect for what we're doing. And um, the rigging company is bringing it in the door. There's like a three-quarter inch lip of concrete. And, yep, um, didn't have it shored up properly. And the guy dropped the machine on the corner that supports the subspindle. So, oh, no. uh, yeah. Yeah, we have a NDT team coming in tomorrow with, uh, uh, what do they call it, ultrasonic shear wave detection to look for cracks in the casting, and they're going to laser comp the machine and make sure there's nothing wrong with it. Because, I mean, when that happened, I, I sort of like, I walked outside and took a couple of deep breaths, and I was like, okay, guys, we we got to figure out what we're going to do. You haven't and, signed uh, like a dotted line yet or anything, have you? No, I, I could I could send this thing back and oh, be like we're shit, we're yeah. done. Yeah. Get rid of this thing. Get this shit off the um, porch. <laughs> for, yeah, for for the sake of not like for just trying because machines are hard to come by and everything else. Um, just for the sake of trying to to play play along and see if it really is. There's nothing wrong with it. You know we're. Or uh, having it inspected and everything. So that's been the last couple of days. Like, you know, when it rains, it pours kind of a thing. But we'll we'll figure it out. And it's it's hot, hot yeah. in the shop. So uh, I'm sure. It's just going the out the door, wide, too. Yeah, the so doors wide great. open makes all the air conditioning go out. I mean, shit. Yep. I'll turn the fucker off yep, at that point. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I well, don't know. I don't know anything about anything when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I would, I would hope that it could be like, a, all right, a guy comes and inspects it, and then, oh, okay, you're good to go. You get the green light, and you need to be able to like, okay, yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign this shit. But there needs to be like a, a, 
annotation that if after like X amount of operating time, if there then becomes an issue that could no doubt be, you know, a result of what happened, yep. then bitch, you fix it or replace it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we did before we closed out that day. I was like, you know, my position was I'm not signing for it. You, you might as well stop what you're doing. And just put it back on the truck. And, uh, you know, and the, and the rigging guy was like, Oh no, I've, we've, we've seen machines get hit way worse than that. And I'm like, yeah. And I've seen machines get, you know, like not even get bumped and get thrown out too. So, you know, like it's not my responsibility to fix your problem. It's like, you know, that's what you carry insurance for. You, you wear a seatbelt in a car in case an accident happens, not because you think you're going to get in an accident when you run down the street. If I thought I was going to get in an accident, I would just not go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stay the fuck home and, you know, right. beat my meat instead of go do whatever else I was going to do that day. <laughs> I'm going to stay home. Yeah. It's funny. Bring yep. My insurance, I'm actually, well, I'm named in the suit, but my insurance company is obviously the one that's going to be taking over. But I, yeah, I'm getting sued right now. Um, nice. Yeah. So we own, uh, a, actually, I, I don't even know why my, I'm even listed in the suit because I don't technically own this particular unit, but the, the family, the, the business does, but my name's not on it. But, um, we had a, uh, townhouse, um, that we had a tenant in or whatever. Her retarded ass son decided to leave something on the fucking stove and just walked out and then, while going down the street, he keeps seeing fire trucks going back the way he was coming from. And he's like, well, I'm going to go see what that oh, is. No. And it was his, it was my unit, the one he just left, which mind you, we didn't even know he even was there. He, he wasn't supposed to, yeah. be. he's not on the lease. He wasn't supposed to, we knew he was a problem. And we told his mom, Hey, she, he can't be here. And he was there anyway. And did this. Well, whatever. It's a complete loss, the whole unit. But the problem is it's a townhouse. What does that mean? That means there's units on both sides of it. Now I own yeah. one on one side that didn't, ha- didn't have any issue, but the one on the other side, I didn't own that. But the, the lady who lived there, she was a homeowner. She owned the one she lived in. Her, okay. Hers got burnt up pretty damn bad too, but she doesn't oh, wow. to kind of find out she didn't have any insurance. She has no homeowner's insurance. Like you, you live in a place that you are connected on each side of yeah. you by people, other people that you can't control what they do. And your, everything yep. you own and love dear is, in, is really at the mercy of anything uh, that happens on either side of you. And then, so I was thinking my insurance company was going to cover hers. It obviously wasn't her fault. And I know that, and I feel bad. And, and I had my, my agent was like, yeah, We'll be covering hers. I was like, great. I, she's a really nice lady. I'll miss her. I'm not going to tell you her name. Uh, nice lady. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Well, then it comes out. We talked to the adjuster. The adjuster's like, oh, no. no, Her insurance is going to have to cover hers. Like, you guys pay us, not the tenant. You did not start the fire. And it wasn't like a, like electrical fire that was like a, an errant type of neglect yeah, right. like that. No, no, no. He left some shit on a fucking stove and it, it caught fire. Right. Um, and okay. he said, so you guys pay us, not the tenant. The tenant is the one that did that. So when hers got burned up, her insurance covers hers. And I was like, Ew. well, then it turns out, well, she doesn't have insurance. So she's suing me uh, and yeah. the insurance company for $200,000. Now, mind you, 
Nice. I have bought one in that. I was, we, we own like 18 in there. I bought one. The last one I bought, I paid $25,000 for. And so when I saw the suit for two hundred grand, I was like, oh, did she have 150000 cash in there that burned up? Because yeah. that's the only way two hundred is worth it. But you know how it works. It's, hey, right. I'm going to say two hundred. I'll take 75 You know what I'm saying? It's going to yeah. be one of those situations. Right. But our insurance, yep. the adjusters, like, that we've had contact with the lawyers that are representing our insurance company, like, oh, there's there's no case here. It's, don't worry, you don't even have to show up to court because we're going to handle all of it. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. You know, but, yep. and it sucks. I hate it for, but fuck, like you said, you, that's what you have insurance for, right? By God, right. insurance is yeah. awesome. You know, that's, it, yeah. As long as they pay out. When yeah. You I mean, we, it, whatever. we, we carry insurance and we've had one person knock on wood, one person threatened to sue and guy blew a gun up. Okay. Holy shit. Like, did he get hurt? Start talking to, try and figure out what happened and uh turns out that and i can talk about this now because the statute of limitations is up so you know didn't end up coming out to a lawsuit so we get the we get the demand for uh from the attorney says hold on to all the evidence and this and that your right? attorney so, or, or his attorney? no from his attorney okay. his attorney reached out to us directly okay sends it to like the info at patriotvalleyarms.com uh, hi, I'm the attorney for Mr. So-and-so and, um, you know, the gun blew up and my client got severely injured and you need to hold on to any and all production evidence of blah, 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 blah. Right. So like Joe called Joe, you know, uh, so side note, um, Joe has moved on. Joe's not with PVA anymore. Um, you know, n- nothing bad at all. Like it just was, he had a awesome opportunity to go back to the industry that he came from. And I was like, dude, man, if you don't take this, I'm going to fire you. So you got to take it, bitch. Yeah. I love Joe. Joe's (laughs) always been an awesome dude. I love Joe. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sad to see him go, but at the same time, like I wish him all the best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, so Joe, Joe calls me over and he's like, yo, uh, you got to look at this email. And I read the email. I was like, holy shit. So, okay, I replied to him. I was like, look, we're going to get in our contact with our insurance company. Hold on to everything you've got. Um, you know, you're the attorney there. We'll get you in touch with our counsel, blah, 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 right? So then, so this happens, and like two weeks later, COVID hits. So nothing happens for eight months. Eight months later, they go to Discovery. They take the what's left of the gun. They x-ray it. They CAT scan it. They get my my attorney and the law firm hired a um, professional witness, like basically a, an on-retainer gunsmith, uh, the powder company and the company that built the action. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's those three expert witnesses there to watch this thing go down and the client's expert witness and the attorney and the client himself, right? And I won't mention any names in this. I don't want anybody getting upset about anything. So, so we get this, right? They go through and I handed them the documentation that I have. What's the serial number on the barrel? Well, that serial number is our production number. Here's the record for it. Here's the headspace. Boom, 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 boom. Here's what the, you know, like everything. Dump the whole thing on them. And the four expert witnesses go, oh my God, we've never seen this level of detail from a gunsman. 
Yeah, documentation right? of everything. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like this, this doesn't exist anywhere. And the action manufacturer, the OEM company that makes probably a half a million guns a year, they go, yeah, we don't, we don't carry this level of detail on our stuff. And they build guns in Europe, right? So it turns out the guy that nothing wrong with the headspace, nothing obstructing the barrel, nothing wrong in the chambering not, whatsoever. Absolutely zero wrong with a gun. <clears throat> he used a not over pressure, like, or not like over book max, but near book max load of a powder that was on recall that smelled funny when he loaded it in the gun. I, which I look, I don't know if I've ever smelled my powders before. I don't go sniff gunpowder. So, so when, when gunpowder goes, yeah, when gunpowder goes bad, it doesn't smell like ether anymore. It smells like, um, like an, a really acrid kind of like it's, it's, it's putrefied. Um, like rotten or something like smells like, yeah, shit. yeah, it is. It, it does not smell like, so like gunpowder has a mild smell of, of like ether, almost like starting fluid. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I mean, it smells like gunpowder. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. And, uh, th this stuff. So like you type in the name of this powder into Google and the first thing that comes up is blah, 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 powder recall, lot numbers. That's the first auto filled thing on Google. I've never typed, I, I don't load Rightfully this powder. So. I don't I, type I, it in. That's right. nice that it right. is that. Yeah. So we click on it. We get the lot numbers. His lot number's right in the middle of it. He claims he has no idea. Right? He comes back. So at first they wanted 500 grand. Then they wanted 75 grand. Then they left us on the potential named lawsuit because even though my expert, the other two experts, the plaintiff's expert and the plaintiff himself went, yeah, I don't think TVA did anything wrong here. And the guy went back and order, he placed another order from us in the midst of this <laughs> and called me on the phone and said, yeah, I think you guys do awesome work. And, and I canceled his order and just told him like, Hey, here's a refund. We'll get this all sorted out. You know, we'll, we'll go from there. Right. Like I'll hold this thing for you. But until then we're, we're, we're just going to, you know, shake this whole thing out. Yeah. They went from, like a $500,000 ask for a couple stitches in a forehead to, Oh, it's your fault, not ours. And then, then they countered with a million dollars and like the whole thing just turned into, yeah. Um, nobody talked to this guy because the attorney has no idea what he's talking about. Like, we're not going to settle. We're not going to do this. See you later. And it just died on the vine. Oh, damn. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it. And then the bad side of this on the insurance companies is, they look at it and go, well, we had to defend you. So even though you didn't actually get sued, we still spent money for it. So the rates went up. Oh, great. Yep. That's so nice. I was like, all right. So totally, you know, like you, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was super frustrating. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got something that you'll love. This literally just, this just kind of wrapping up now. Okay. So, okay. We went to, uh, we went to Florida the, we left the Friday before July 4th. Okay. So that okay. week, so this was probably like Wednesday of the week we left. So Wednesday before the, before the fourth. Um, so at where our office is, 
my, my office is actually in two apartments that I knocked the wall out and it's like, it's upstairs and it's in our biggest apartment complex. Right. And we've got cameras okay. everywhere. We've got uh, wireless cameras all over the property. Every building can be seen. Um, and, and all that stuff. Right. And so it's always recording on DVR and oh man, I, we've had to use that shit roll for cops, a, a murder charge, a drive by breaking and entering. Holy shit. Uh, dude, for wow. all, we've done all kind of shit. Right. With that. Well, so, Sounds like a classy neighborhood you are. Oh, I mean, it's fucking Mayberry. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, uh, we, it was like 1030 in the morning on like a Wednesday or whatever. And one of my tenants, now mind you, think of a parking lot that's more like a horseshoe. And there's buildings all around the horseshoe, right? We own, we own the horseshoe. Yep. All right. Um, but there's, we have one building that's kind of, across from the horseshoe that's owed by itself. Right. And okay. all right. So, and I admittedly, I don't go and inspect every building every day. Right. Well, these are two story apartments. Right. So upstairs apartments, they have stairs and they have their wooden decking stairs. Right. Well, we get, a, I get a, uh, uh, power manager. She gets a call from a tenant in one of those buildings. She lives downstairs. She said that a piece of the stair and the part, the, the ones above her door, a piece of the stair fell and hit her in the head. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. I said, oh, shit. So I went over there and I looked and she's sitting outside and I said, hey, honey, how are you? She said, well, lucky to be feeling uh, blessed to be alive. I was like, all right. In mind, she looks fine, right? And I'm looking. Yeah, like, right. So. One of the stair treads was like, it was jacked up. I admit it, it was jacked up. and But no one had called us to say, hey, fit the stairs need some, uh, there's a stair that needs some attention, right? But the stair that was fucked up wasn't what fell. A two-by-two two spindle that goes up the handrails, just like decorative, like slats. So actually, so kids can't go through yeah, them, yeah. right? One spindle was missing, and it was down on the ground, like leaning up against the up against the handrail at the, on the ground, but it came from like the second story. Right. So she says that okay. that's what fell and hit her. Oh shit. Well, I, uh, I, I called my guy, one of my guys to come over. I said, Hey, we're not leaving until like these, this stair is fixed. And then this is put back up. And she said, yeah, they ain't nobody. I know nobody's called y'all and told y'all that the stair was messed up. Then boys upstairs don't say shit to nobody. They just, they, they'll just let it rot before they'll say something. And we hadn't got a call about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so this, this white dude walks up, who I don't know from Adam's dog. I ain't never seen him in my life. He said, man, I fell through that stair. I said, you fell through it? I said, yeah. Fell through said, yeah. the stair. Right. And this is a big dude. but And uh, and it wasn't anything, but it wasn't mo like disturbed. There was no hole there. It was broken, but nothing could go through it, right? A kid could not have, right. a, a baby could not have fallen through this gap, right? Well, he said, yeah, I was carrying some water upstairs. Now, mind you, he don't know anybody that lives up there. He don't live there, number one, but he doesn't know the one person he does know. And a woman, he's like, you know, banging, it lives at the bottom floor, the other side of the building. And I'm like, why was he taking water upstairs? Well, when I left, and he was like showing the tenant that the thing supposedly hit her in the head. He was showing her pictures on his phone or whatever. And, uh, and then when my guy was in there working, this this dude told my employee Chris said that he was carrying groceries up the stairs. Okay, 
well, you know, I didn't, okay. didn't think much of it. Well, I left, and then I came back, and sure enough, the fucking ambulance was there. And he was on there. He uh-huh. called the ambulance. And then she said, well, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to go to the hospital, too. All right. Well, uh-huh. I, I know where this is going. So, of course, right, what do I do? In. Right. So, what do, I'm like, shit, I'm about to get fucking sued for this shit. All because this fucking stair was broken. No one said shit to me. So I went and got on the cameras. Now, mind you, this, like I said, she called it 1030, and she said that this had just happened, right? Well, I started I started at 1030. I saw when I got there, so then I started going backwards. She never walked underneath the stairs. And then not only that, the, the, the two-by-two picket that was missing it had been missing. I went back days prior. It had been missing. Like that thing had fallen days ago, probably weeks yeah. ago, right? And and I was like, well, that's weird. Then I see where the dude he he pulls up in this truck in the passenger side of this truck. I mean, the guy in the truck don't live there either. But he pulls up. They both get out of the truck. He goes directly straight to those stairs with nothing in his hand. Walks up. The dude below him has got a phone staying on the ground behind underneath him. And he like lays on the, like rolls over and lays on the stairs, like lays his arms out. Like he fucking died or something. Dude takes his picture <laughs> and then he pops up and then walks down and then gets a bicycle out of the truck. And then like goes off in the bicycle, comes back with some groceries and shit. And then that's when like we start getting there and stuff like that. So the, and that money that had happened, like he had told Chris that it had just happened it had happened like two hours prior. It was like eight thirty yeah. when that happened, right? So it was all a fabrication. He, thing. he had time to ride the bicycle down to the Piggly Wiggly and pick up groceries and come back. Right, and but not only that, but he, hell, he didn't have anything in his hands, and he didn't even fall. He laid on the stairs, like and needed yep. needed the still shot picture, right, of him. Right. So he goes and uh, my mom. So money, I find all that out. We don't know who he is. Whatever. I leave for Florida. My mom sees him, and then she says, "You're." She, I mean, she knows the the deal. She knew what he's been was trying to do, and she basically told him, "Hey, you need to basically fuck off and get off our property, whatever." And he was like being all crude to her and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna call the cops." She said, "No, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll go and call him because we've got no trespassing agreement here, and we've told you to leave. You're not leaving yet." And uh, so he yeah, right. slowly mosey off, and the cops get there, and she said said his name because she asked the tenant that he was banging uh, what his name was. And he's like, oh, we know who he is or whatever, right? So, mind you, fast forward yeah. to yesterday. Mind we ain't heard nothing from the lady that the thing supposed to hit her in the head. She was up in my yeah. office. She came up there, and mind you, I was in the back office in my office, right? And she was in, at the window talking to Miss Barber, my apartment manager. And she said, and mind you, she didn't know that I was in there either. But she says, I want to know what's going ha- to be done about my injuries. She says, hold on one second. David, come up here real quick. And says, she wants to know what's going to be done about her injuries. I said, hey, honey, how are you? She said, fine. I said, okay, so the one, the only piece of wood that was on the ground was the one piece of the spindle that was at the top left-hand side. I could see her saying, like, in herself, like, left-hand side. Like, yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about, the one that you said that fell. I said, you know, when we looked at the cameras, we didn't see you go underneath those stairs at all. And not only that, that spindle had been missing for days, days prior to, to that day. And that supposedly was the one that hit you in the head. I said, you know, 
I don't know what it was that fell and hit you in the head, if anything, but I know it wasn't a part of those stairs. So I, I hope your head's feeling okay, but it's nothing about nothing of ours. And then so, and I, I was on my way out, and I, was, I said that she kind of like put her like face in her hands or whatever. And Barbara said, "If you need anything else, will our our lawyers will be in, in contact with you?" She says. Oh, no, no, I don't want nothing. I didn't want nothing about it. I didn't want no money out of it or nothing like that. Yeah, right. You get the fuck, yeah, out, of right. Get the fuck out of here. Here's your third uh-huh. notice, bitch. Um, but, yeah, so just motherfuckers just trying to do dumb shit. And, like, nothing, like, neither of those things ever happened. But if it weren't for those cameras, dude, oh, I'd been fucked. Oh, I'd have been oh, yeah. proper fucked. Yep. Um, but, there's, uh, there's a guy in our industrial complex that has a hot tub business. And, you know, usually I get in. I drop my boys off in the morning to summer camp and daycare or school, whatever, you know, like they got the morning routine. So I get in about eight thirty, <clears throat> and that works out. Okay. Because I usually hit like home Depot and get whatever supplies for cleaning supplies or something like that. So it's eight thirty nine o'clock. Right. And you know, this guy, Frank, he owns the hot tub business and usually they're loading trucks for service calls and whatnot until about eight o'clock. And then they scoot. So this morning I get there, 10 to 9. All the trucks are still there. Frank's outside. And he goes, hey, uh, my red Dakota's missing. I was like, wait, what? What the? It, seriously? Like, you just did the brakes on the loading dock for that yesterday. <laughs> like, I, I literally saw the car, the truck parked in the parking spot yesterday. Because, yeah, out. somebody stole it last night. Oh, no. Yeah. Fucking steals this truck last night. So the first two and a half hours of the day, Frank's sitting there on the security camera because he doesn't have cameras up in the parking lot. Um, I'm the only one that has parking lot like cameras that can see license plates. And uh, so he starts crawling through it, and and it comes by. Here it is. There's a tow truck that doesn't belong. Five minutes later, there's a tow truck that doesn't belong with a red Dakota on the back going the other direction. 10 30 at night damn someone with a tow truck stole his yeah. shit or did it get repoed yeah from? no like it was it wasn't like a oh it was it a wasn't le- a repo it thing. was a legit car yeah, like, <laughs> yeah like yeah like legit they they didn't just like break in break the window and drive away they drove in put the thing on the flatbed and drove out with it dude that's cold-blooded man that's like new level shit <laughs> Yeah, times is getting tough, man. Inflation hitting everybody. (laughs) Well, and that's that's the thing is like around the back of the building, there's like a bunch of classic BMWs. And at the time, the gym was closed, but the owners of the gym leave a couple of really nice SUVs, like eighty thousand plus dollar SUVs. Depending on which vehicle they're driving, there's always something nice in the back of that parking lot. Instead, they take the bullshit ass Dakota. Yeah, the the fucking $5,000 bright red 12-year-old GMC Dakota or whatever, Chevy Dakota. I don't even know who makes that thing. Dodge Dakota. Yeah. Dodge, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you know. That's funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I said to Frank, and I, I was like, dude, that's that's got to be personal. He goes, as soon as he saw it drive by on the back of the flatbed, he's like, I think it's the guy that I fired last Friday. <laughs> Damn, dude, you talk about a damn disgruntled employee shit. What you, <laughs> fuck is woman too? Shit. <laughs> still, I'm going to steal yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. I swear we're going to get talking about rifle stuff, guys. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, um, 
yeah, if, if you haven't, if y'all haven't followed me on Instagram yet since I've started one, um, seen the, or, or on Sniper Side, seen the pictures, I'm redoing the Tika. And I, I painted up the Tika. It looks fucking good and shit like that. Not only that, we'll give you guys a little bit of a little hack. So everybody knows about the, the Yo Dave trigger spring and the, I think, was it Mountain Tactical or something? They've got a trigger spring. Well, you know, $10 trigger spring, right? It lightens up the, the, the Tika triggers really nicely, right? I think you can get them down to a pound that way. But the other thing, little hack that I figured out is, see, when I had the trigger spring in, and you know the grub screw that goes, that basically it pushes down in the spring, right? That It's yep. forward, I should say, actually, it's aft of the, trigger mounting bolt well that bolt head for the the um to mount the trigger to the action it's a big beefy bolt head right which is cool but i would basically five millimeters right i would i would back out that grub screw and i couldn't go any further because well then it's hitting the the edge of that mounting bolt well so what i did was i took that grub screw and went to ace hardware and i got a shorter one and dude, I've got that Tika trigger feeling fucking super. That thing feels, it, dude. I don't even know. I don't have a trigger pull gauge. It's under a pound. Is it slam fire safe? No. Uh, yeah, safe. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I have literally yeah. okay. thrown that bolt as hard as I can. I need to put it back in the action. Oh, uh, put it back in the um, stock and, and chassis and and do that. But I've literally taken that bolt. It's it's over. I don't know if you can see it. It's over there in my vice. I don't know if you can see that or not. And oh, yeah, I see it. Yep. Yeah, just taking that bolt and just throwing it as hard as I can forward. Nothing It's completely drop safe. So what I did was I got it kind of where I liked it and then put some, uh, um, a blue Loctite on it and it's, it's not going to move, not going to go forward in or out or whatever, but it's not made. It actually could go lighter, but I'm like, nah, it's good there. It's fine right there. It feels fucking super. With that said, I did. I have done something that I swore to myself that I would not do, and that was build a fucking match gun off of this Tika. This was a hunting rifle. That's all it was supposed to be. Six Creed more, and I got you to cut me a twenty-five Creed more for it to hunt with. Um, the first step down the wrong path was when I got that Vision Four in for that KRG Bravo chassis. I was like, man, this thing feels fucking good on a barricade. And then I go and fuck and paint it. Looks good as shit. And then I start messing with that trigger. Made that trigger feel super. I'm like, damn. I texted you last week. I said, hey, cut me a BR barrel for this Tika. Yeah. I mean, I look at it two ways. It's going to be. So we're doing a straight no taper barrel for this Tika because a Tika uses a, what do you say? It's a 1.16 inch. uh, Yeah. Shank. Yeah, 1.16 yeah, is right. a factory shanks on them. Yeah, yep. so it's not like, you know, it's it's not going to be quite as big as like a, a, a Remington 700 clone or custom action uh, no taper, but it's still going to be a, a nice thick barrel. But uh, Jax, I, I bet you anything Jax will kill his first deer with that BR barrel on it. Um, I, think nice. a, I think a BR is going to be, would be a killer uh, kid's cartridge, uh, hunting cartridge. Yeah. That ain't why I'm doing yep. it, but that's how I'm justifying it. So I'm yeah. going to shoot matches with it. What? I just bought 500 pieces of brass yesterday um, from uh, Pat Young's. He's Patrick Young's. He's he's had some for sale. Can't find them nowhere, dude. Like, even through all this, like, ammo shortage and component shortage, I've always been able to find Lapua BR brass. I mean, I, yeah. but 
No more. I mean, there's, there's literally none, non-existent on the internet. But he had 500 hmm. pieces of Virgin. I was like, I'll take it. I want it. So yeah. he sent it to me. Um, so I'm excited about shooting that, you know, getting into a BR again. Because, you know, my Hancock was a BR. And uh, this would be my second BR. And I, uh, yeah, I, I like the BR, man. I mean, I've got a dasher. I got two dasher barrels for oh, yeah. for the AI. I love the dasher. But it's fun to play with a BR, too. So um, I'm excited about yeah. getting that one done. I shot, um, let's see, my match gun. I, I built a 223 last year, mostly to prove a point. Um, and I shot TAC class for a couple of matches. But I my, uh, my match. I matches last year, dude. I hadn't, I yeah, I shot ever three matches shoot. last year. You don't ever get to shoot. Yeah. Which, which sucks. Um, you know, but like I make a point that if I got stuff to do, we're coming on a deadline for somebody's stuff and they're missing matches or they're going to miss a hunting trip or something like that. I'm not going hunting or, you know, going to matches because, you know, somebody else has asked us to do work. We've accepted it. Right. That's, you know, like that. Nice, yeah. Subby. So, but you shot, so you had a two twenty three, and you shot three matches and. Oh matches yeah. Last year? Yeah. So we, <clears throat> yeah. So that, that was fun actually. So showing up at a match and there's like 1250 yard targets and I'm, dropping two, two threes in on them. The flashers go off. And it's like, Oh yeah. You know, you got lucky. Well, wait a second. And we started running the, uh, my two, two, three with our 75 grain tack bullet in it. We started running the dope for the day and comparing it to my buddy's six dasher shooting one Oh three. What are the, was it? Was it a one Oh three vapor trail? Yeah. one oh three. Yeah. <laughs> and the two, two, three, like from the muzzle to 1250 yards, had less drop and less drift than the six dasher in open class. He's like, this is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually, when I shoot up these one Oh fives, uh, well, the reason why I asked you to add a little free board, like, what do we say? Uh, 0.135. I think I to like one thirty five. Yeah. One ten. Cause I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run the one Oh nines in the BR. I've got like, Eight or nine hundred in the one hundred nines. I'm gonna I'm gonna run the one hundred nines in that, but I'm running one hundred fives in the dasher. But when those one hundred fives run out, I'm gonna switch. I think I'm gonna switch uh, as far as six millimeters to the to the one hundred threes because they're cheaper and shit. And but if you look at the data versus them versus one hundred fives, like you know how in um, Fordoff, right? In Fordoff. They have like if you went, let's say your wind call is, uh, you know, 0.7 mils. It's it'll say 0.74, right? You can't dial that four, yeah. but whatever. You round down or you round up. Well, the yep. 103s and 105s, there. If if it's 174 for the 105s, it's 17 like seven or 178 for the 103s. But they are like dumb cheap, like in so. I think I think I'm gonna once I run it in one oh fives I'm I'm gonna do that. Um but uh yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm excited about playing with this BR. I mean, you know, I've got an AI, it's my favorite action on the planet, and I love my rifle is a fucking hammer. I absolutely love that AI, especially with the you know, the new um all the new goodies and upgrades I've got on it. But man, it's just something about that fucking Tika, dude. And it Tika's like a little hot yeah. topic right now on snipers hide and uh 
No, Tikas are not better than a custom action. They're not. They, but they are much better than any fucking shitbox Bergara, whom I've had one, and the bitch, every, in this, every stage, uh, the, the one match I shot with, every fucking stage, there was at least one failure to eject. And what it would do is it would spin the cart, the, spin the brass, and then somehow the fucking ass end of the, the case head would go down the throat. So I'd have to drop the mag and stick my pinky in there, finger fuck the brass out. It did it at least once every stage, sometimes twice. Yeah. Uh, fuck that. The premier action is a little bit better and it's, it is better, but the, the, uh, the, to me, the Bergara's great for a hunting cartridge. I mean, a, a hunting platform. If you want to build a little hunting rifle, a little factory six, five Creedmoor, uh, hunting rifle for you or your kid or whatever, dude. Yeah, by all means, get the the HMR or the Ridge Line or whatever they are, whatever they're fucking called. Um, but for a match platform, the Tika literally shits all over Bergara. Sorry, um, yeah. Some dude on Sniper Side I, is a fucking. Uh, he's the life of a fucking party. Everyone he goes to, I'm sure everyone loves having him around. He's just a, a, a just an inflammatory ass hat and. It was ridiculous how it devolves to that. Um, but so I, you get a lot of that on videos. the internet. Right, yeah, you yeah. can figure, right? Um, but you get a <laughs> whole heap of Tika prefits. And, um, yeah. you know, Tika... Is, well, we've got them down to a science now at this point, too. Like, you know, we track our headspace reject, you know, like when we have problems with stuff. And... Um, you know, we've got it where you can make a shoulder Tika prefit, and we have a sub one percent headspace reject rate. Yeah. So really yeah, okay. Throw a gauge in it, check it. You've got a about a one in one hundred chance that I'm going to need to send you a call tag. You're going to put your action in a box, and you're going to send me the barrel back, and I'm going to make the barrel match your action. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, you screw it on there. Go and no go gauge or fine. You're good to go. But and I never saw your that, receiver. Right. Even that 1%, though, it's not like it's a, a an issue of safety at that point. It's not off by that much. It's no. Just, no, it's not. Because usually those are like they squeak closed on a no-go gauge or they don't quite close on a go gauge. You know, they're outliers as it is. But, um, you know, the, one of the myths in the industry is that if it closes on a no-go gauge, it's unsafe which is not true for, for two reasons. So if you look at the CIP specs and the SAMI specs, the CIP headspace for bottleneck rifle cartridge, the go and no-go in the book is a quarter millimeter wide, which is about ten thousandths of an inch. On the SAMI, it is ten thousandths of an inch wide. And, that's, and, and what you get at being off from a go to a go plus ten thousandths is you get problems with extraction, you get problems with ignition, that kind of stuff. But the only the precision rifle industry has gone to where it's go plus 4,000. And that's where the no-go gauge is. We still have a field gauge that's go plus six in some calibers. Um, sometimes we end up with a Tika that's like go plus four and a half. Right. You know, that's not right. unsafe. This is a mass-produced action, too. This is a fuck. You think about right. what this is. There's look, we'll, we can get into if not, but there's a a very prominent uh, custom action company that wouldn't couldn't even fucking dream to to hold Tikas. Um, yeah, well, they, they 
if they held Tika's tolerances, they wouldn't have had to back off. So we made a pre-fit action, and this is awesome. We guarantee headspace, and blah, blah, blah. And then when they, all of a sudden their headspace is float around, it's a gunsmith's fault. The gunsmith did it wrong. We, we've always advertised that you need a gunsmith to have the action in hand. You know, yeah, that, that same old bullshit that they've been doing for 20 years. Yeah, you, you used to say that, but these two new actions that you come out with, uh, no, that was your whole uh, selling point on them was, oh, now they're pre-fittable. And they ain't. Right. And, yeah, that's why I wouldn't have one. I mean, yeah, if you're okay with getting them measured and, and sending it in, that's, I mean, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Great. I mean, I've got my Remington 700, 300 wind mag in there is a hammer. And, you know, you had that action in your hand, and you cut a barrel mm-hmm. for it. It's great. Had you not had that, you wouldn't have made the damn prefit. You would have made the barrel for it. That's fine. It would have been a yeah, it would have been a barrel nut preset. Right. But you know, you've got a custom action company that now finally comes out after many years they've been making actions. Hey, we're we're finally giving you what you want, the market. We're giving you a a a an act a receiver that you, your gunsmith does not have to have in their hand to where you can order barrels from five different gunsmiths and they all fit on in, in headspace properly. And it was you know not true. It was just fake fucking news. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all you can yeah. call it. But yet then, then they're going to be like, Oh, you know, back, you know, backing the horses up. Oh, well, no, we never said you could no, bullshit. You didn't say that. That was like the whole thing. I can find on snipers. How would they said that? So I mean, yep. it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, we're going to go call nobody out on it, but, um, but yeah, prefits. I mean, that seems to be a, a topic of discussion here lately with, uh, especially with you. Yeah. Well, I, I like getting the prefits where, you know, like we get other gunsmiths on the rare occasions I get to go to the range and I run into another guy there who's he's either a professional gunsmith or somebody that they've read enough on the internet that they think they're a gunsmith, you know, tells me how prefits can't possibly be as accurate as a hand fit barrel. You can't hand fit a barrel on a CNC. Um, even if you had the action, uh, it's more repeatable. What the? There's a June beetle over my head banging into the, I'm out on the, <laughs> yeah. You know, that little, uh, that little balcony we have off the master bedroom yeah. at my house. Yeah. That's where you're always, I'm sitting out baby. there. Yeah. And this thing is just like hell bent on digging himself into the side of the house. You got an A10 above your head but, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, you, so, you know, yeah, so I don't know. Saying, there's just a lot of rumors out there. Right. right and, and, and what do we get for it? It's like, you know, 2014, 15, 16, we're making prefits for people and you know, Oh yeah. You've never seen a prefit win a bench rest match. Well, 2018, some dude took a Hancock and won a fucking bench rest match with a prefit barrel or, or not a Hancock. Sorry. He had an origin in a Bravo chassis that he assembled with our barrel and it was muzzle threaded. He put a thread protector on it and he went out and he ended up winning a mid range bench rest match with six BR. Dang. Bipod and real so, shit. Yeah. You know, everybody else um, was mad as shit that day. All them dudes with, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> with them like, fucking big old, like, yeah, $2,000 worth of gun yes. versus the $12,000 worth of gun and the sex toy bipod that they use and stuff like that. And yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, Big it's man. just, yeah. 
Now, it, it, but that, you know, my like, question to you when we were talking about this yesterday, when I called you, it, my question was, okay, but if let's say you take that hand fitted barrel and you take, okay, for let's say it's for TL three, you take that hand fitted barrel where this, this particular gunsmith is the, he had it in his hand, he hand fitted it. And then the same cut, uh, the rifle owner called you and said, Hey, I want a prefit. Send me a prefit. If they measure the same, why? What is more accurate or more correct? One more correct than the other. If they if they come out the same, why is it? What is different? Right. You didn't have it in your hand. So so that's my. I didn't. I didn't understand. I was like, if if they come because if it's for some like yeah, if you saw my Remington seven hundred or whatever, I agree. But when you're talking about these action companies that that we know hold the tolerances that they hold and and you know are true to it, what is different about the two barrels? I did, you you had nothing to really tell me. Yeah. I, I was asking you because I was curious. I was like, "What is different?" You're like, "Nothing." I said, "Then what the yeah. fuck is he talking about?" Yeah, like like an Impact or TL3 or you know anything from American Rifle Company. Like, we make a barrel. And you take the barrel, it's lasered, right? We have these timing artifacts. And you screw a TL3 barrel from me onto yours and CL's and Jeff's action. And they don't just headspace within, you know, 4,000. The logo's clocked. You put them in the chassis and they clock to the same position because the actions are identical to within tenths the barrels are, you know, and, and the barrel in that case, the barrel is, is the one unchanged variable, right? So, so it's like, that's the gold standard artifact, but you can take five of our barrels and screw them together and the headspace clocks, the timing marks line up, the brakes line up, you know, and, um, where, where we find a difference typically is somebody gets a hand fit barrel and it was done on a lathe that was running a floating reamer holder. And if you're not careful with a floating reamer holder, it's very easy to get the chamber wallowed out. Uh, I mean, run out a thousandth is, is not a big deal. Yeah, it, it'll open up the base of the chamber. A th- uh, you know, a thousandth is not a big deal. You usually size that back. Where it becomes a problem is when you put brass in and it goes in the chamber and the you know the the base you know just above the extractor groove measures like four sixty seven five and it comes out of four seventy two, four seventy three. That chamber is oversized. Right. It's never going to go back to four sixty seven five, four sixty eight brass. Um, even punching it, it through. Well, yeah, and then even then, you've got to get a pass through die, which is why we made those universal base sizing die. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think the market was ready for that yet because we made them, and then people were like, you know, well, I want a custom. But like, no, it's not custom. You're, you're fire forming to your chamber. That's what's custom. What you want to do is switch from barrel A to barrel B, and barrel B's chamber is tighter than A. They can be cut with the identical reamer. You can put the reamer in a floating holder and cut the chamber, and then you can take that reamer out and put it into the setup that we run. And the rigid reamer, as long as it's dialed in true, the rigid reamer will cut, will never cut bigger than a floating holder. Right. Yeah. It can't. Which is why we use it. If it's dialed, it right. can't. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, and that's not to say that a floating reamer holder is 
bad. You just got to be Johnny on the spot right. when it comes to setting the thing up. It's not throw it in the tail stock, send it home. Let let the floating reamer holder figure out where the reamer needs to be. That's how you get fat chambers. Yeah, we don't. So, we like, and, we like and the reason I know that, like fat chambers. <laughs> right. <laughs> the reason I know that is because in 2015, when I first started running rigid holders and I was trying to run a floating holder, I got the first CNC lathe. I fucking screwed up like 15 chambers and ended up making people new barrels because the chambers were 473, 474. We learned that lesson the hard way. Tuition is not free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's price of entry is getting your, you're getting your come up and that, that that's getting your come up and in the gunsmithing world is having to eat cost of barrels and shit. And cause to, to figure out your, your, uh, holes in your game and i mean yeah then you go and you go from there i mean that that's that's part of it and then you you know you you know that going forward and you're not making those same mistakes again um but speaking right. of that like I, I will say this the i've got the um the sack shorts customs the new modular size and die i think for my dasher and it is the only i've got that die i've had a i had a widden um, and I currently also have the, um, bullet central what was it precision dot. So those two dies are probably the two most expensive dies you can get size and dies is the sack die and the bullet central die. I've got both of them and the sack and the die, Warner die. So yeah, I think the well, Warner well, dies are probably, yeah, the Warners are, are, those are custom just like Harold's or, you know, you, you send your brass off yeah. the Warners. They're, they're nice. Those Warners are nice dies. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything that truly competes with the Warners. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, but the sack, uh, and I have a couple of them. Yeah, probably the sack's the closest thing that I've seen the to, they, to what Dan and Alan are making. Right, but they the good thing about that, which I will say this: the Bullet Central die does not do, is it does not go all the way to the case head. So if you if you go and size your dasher brass, I mean it works great. You talk about smooth. Now the first one I got was fucked up. In fact, I had to bore scope the die, and dude, the tooling marks were. You would have puked had you saw the tooling marks. <laughs> but I said I sent them pictures up. Like holy shit, we don't even know how that one even got to you. Like that 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 doesn't happen. So they sent me a new bi- a die body uh, for free or whatever. Um, but oh, nice. yeah, it was nice. Of them. But, um, it does not size all the way down. So you'll see when you pull that brass out, you'll see where the, the die stopped and the, but the sack die, like literally the whole, the only thing you see when you run and cam over that, um, press handle, the only thing you see is the case rim inside of the shell holder. Like it sizes all the way down, uh, the case body, which is, um, awesome. And it, it's almost like small basing it every time you size, you know, size your brass. Yeah. And that, I think that it's just good if you have, like for me, I have, well, I, I don't really mix the two up, but I've got two dasher barrels from an AI and I can just, you know, I'm not worried, which I'm not worried about my brass not fitting because they always fit in each chamber. If I've got two six Creedmoors, then that brass fits or whatever. In fact, all for my 25 Creedmoor, Everything I'm shooting so far is Hornady six Creedmoor brass that I fired out of your six Creedmoor barrel and then sizing it, 
and then um, changing the necks for, you know, 25 cream more that you spun me. Both mm-hmm. of the 25 cream mores. And I tell you what, it, it eats it up. Um, that uh, those 25 cream more barrels are awesome. I absolutely love them. And, uh, yeah, those are two prefits, AI prefits for the, for the um, 25s. Every barrel I've got from you is a fucking prefit, I think. I'm trying to think of anything that was not a prefit. Well, other than the, the 300. Think, other than the 300. I did a, didn't I do a Tika shouldered install for you? Like, that's the, yeah, six that's the, years ago, maybe? No, you, no, no, no. The first one you did from, that was from my old Tika. That was actually a barrel nut. I wanted to do a barrel nut. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, because I right. didn't have a, I didn't have, I didn't know shit. I didn't have a, a vice and all that stuff. So like, I'll just, yeah, I'll just barrel nut it. And, and it was fine. It shot great. Um, but I, 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 I regret selling that damn Tika, dude. I'm, I wish I had that Tika, but I got this one. Um, but you know, though you actually, you did hand fit the six Creedmoor cause that's when me and CL came up there and you hand, Oh yeah, that's right. That's that one that you hand fit. The first one was a barrel nut. Um, but to say to, for anybody gunsmith or not, and look, if you are a gunsmith that you want an action in hand, you don't want to prefit it. Hey, you more power to you. I, I got you. You can then say that you had your hands on it. You installed it. That way you can almost dummy proof it for the guy, the, for the, the client. Right. Um, so, right. Hey, I'm all about it. I don't have any problem with that. I just have to laugh at the, well, you know, that's, the, that's the, what I'm getting at is the distinction the, like, between the two is, you know, you've got the one guy who says, Hey, I'm a gunsmith. I want your action for my sake, for your sake. I want your action. I want to cut it that way. I want to hand fit it. And great. Um, what, uh, what's his name? Justin, um, from uh, spinners. He's that way. He says, look, I know, I know that they're prefitable. I don't want to do that. I want your action because yeah. I want to hand fit it. Cool. I, I appreciate that. I'm not going to call you if I need a prefit, but if, Hey, cool. If I, I mean, he's actually in North Carolina. It wouldn't be that hard for me to go up there, but if I wanted you to hand fit a barrel, I would definitely go with you. Great. But then you got yeah. the other guy, the other yeah, I mean, of the coin. It's is, not like it's bad work. It, no, it just turns into the, yeah, it, you know, there's, there's a ton of work out there for people that do good gunsmithing and good, a really good precision rifle gunsmith knows what they're doing. However, they get to the end of the line and build you a good rifle. Great. It's yeah. just, you know, I, I kind of roll my eyes when I hear that you can't possibly Yep, I know. I, well, we and, can't possibly do it. Yeah. We did it ten thousand times in a row. But you, you go ahead. Yeah, that that's, you keep on with that. Right, and that's what I'm getting at. Is you get the other side of the coin is the guy that also doesn't feel comfortable doing prefits, but then says that you can't do prefits or this mm-hmm. company can't do like it can't be done or it can't be done well. Right? Not the. I don't think anybody's saying right. it can't be done. I'm just saying they can't. It can't be done and get as accurate. Full fucking shit. I don't know if yeah. do the point zeros do those count as being accurate because I've shot multiple point zero groups with that that uh, Rock Creek Dasher barrel over there, and and that's what yeah. I, it. You, how can you get more accurate than that? I, I don't understand what it takes. It, it because it's well, literally the size of one fucking I mean, bullet hole. That's CL's uh, Creedmoor. 
the one that he pushed just a little bit too far, yeah. and it went it went to pieces on him at a match. It, it went. To I mean, shit on him at a match, it, it, dude. Every match prior to that, he was like, "Man, you think this is the last one? You think I got one more?" I said, eh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." You got another match. You got a one day in it, right? And he goes and shoots. He yep. shot it. Look, he shot a fucking dime. You know, the day before the match, got speeds, shot tiny little groups, tr- you know, check check data, all that stuff. Goes to the match, I think. He and he shot, shot factory ammo through that barrel the whole time. N- not one round went through that barrel other than Hornady 108 ELDM match ammo. Not one. And yeah. now what's weird is one somehow that bitch sped up to where, you remember, it was like a freakishly fast barrel. I don't know mm-hmm. what he did yep. or what he, he, he shot. He shot, I don't know, 100-some rounds down it or whatever. He took it off the TL3 to put the 223 barrel on, and then when he when he put that barrel back on, the fucker sped up like 180 feet per second. And it was like 30-50 out of factory ammo, 24-inch barrel, 24-inch barrel mm-hmm. shooting 30-50. Yep. And look, the brass looked perfect. The bolt lift was perfect. There was no pressure. I don't know what the fuck it was, but the bitch was fast as hell. But he shot. He started the day with that that last match. I think he had a pretty good first stage. After that, dude, it went to fucking hell. He was chasing shit all <laughs> over the place. And then, like after the match, he went and shot. It shot like a fucking three inch group at hundred yards. We're like, holy shit! Um, yeah, yeah, it fell to pieces. He just pushed it a little yeah. too long. I think he had like fourteen hundred yeah. rounds on it or something like that. Um, it, yeah. yeah, it was a lot. But yeah, I mean, but that that, that was. was- a prefit like, barrel. I remember him telling me the first two or three times that uh, he took it out to a thousand at Jeff's place. He's like, "I just want to break it in with factory ammo." Then he starts telling me, "Dude, this bitch shoots six inches at a thousand with factory ammo." Like, yeah, okay, it did. I mean, and, I'm telling and, you, and he never lost nothing because shooting factory ammo off of that bitch because he had like thirty fifty yeah. extreme spread of like. 22 SD of like nine, eight or nine heat. Look, that might as well have been hand loads because that bitch was fucking hammering, bro. That was a nice ass yeah. barrel. That thing shot yep. and it shot well. Yeah. And Hey, you didn't have that TL three. Well, actually you did have that. Not that it mattered. You didn't cut it no different. That's the one that he worked out with you for the fishing trip and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah that's right. We, we built that first, we built that first gun. Um, we swapped on that one, so I did have that action in hand. But you but didn't. The, it was uh, the same. I doubt you even measured it because all them big horns. No, I didn't. I like. So I, I literally. We we talked about it, and I'm like, all right. When I get into the shop, I'm gonna write your name on a box, and cut you a barrel. We cut the barrel, and I didn't open the box until the barrel was done. Greased it up, screwed together, built the gun, sent it off to him. So, yeah, and he loved that gun. And I mean, he still got the, he still got it, but I mean, obviously the barrel's toast now. He's been, he's already shot a match yeah. with the new barrel on it, but it's, uh, yep. yeah, it, that, that's the thing. Look, me personally, you know, everybody's got their own taste and, and flavors and everything. I'm, I, I appreciate what Zermatt is or Bighorn. I, I appreciate them because they make, I mean, the tightest of tolerance actions as far as repeatability and oh, yeah. that there's, there's nobody that does it better than them. Nobody. Um, yeah, there's, they do a fucking great job. Them, 
um, Impact, Falcor. And those are probably the three that are the tightest. Yeah. You know, you could take a hundred actions from those three companies and they're like, nothing's, nothing's different by more than a half a thousand. Right. That's um, stupid. you know, that's and, so and stupid good. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, TL3 American rifle does a really good job. Yeah, too. Like we don't, we don't need, we, you know, you, to do prefits, you don't need plus or minus two tenths. Like, I love the fact that the TL3s are plus or minus two tenths, but I don't need it to to do a really good job. Like we did, um, so we're we're one of the two OEMs for American Rifle Company barrels at this point, and the first batch of barrels that we did that were not just like you know Ted called me and said, "Hey man, I'm in a bind. I need a prototype for whatever." Right? They said, "Can you make me 42 barrels?" They were they were jammed up. They had ordered stuff for a 4th of July sale in 2020. I remember that. And, and we shipped, I think it was like 26 creeds and 22, six, five creeds in six days from uncontoured blanks to being in a crate, getting ready to be picked up by a truck six days. And, then they got them, and two days later, I get a call from Ted. John wants to know how you did it. I was like, did what? You know, he goes, well, we just checked the headspace on these, and all the six five creeds, and all the six creeds. Like, there's twenty barrels here that are within two tenths, and there's twenty two barrels here that are within two tenths, and they're two different chambers, and all forty two barrels are within seven tenths. And the the threads on them are all within a half a thou. And I was like, "Well, John knows how CNC machines work. Like, <laughs> you know, we just got the process style. Yeah, that was it. All of a sudden, we're an approved vendor, and we've been making barrels for them since. Yeah, I mean, and so I mean, you've got it. You've got it. There's a big list, and it. Well, I say it's not huge, but the list is growing of manufacturers that are realizing, hey, we can kind of make we can kind of make our company more appealing if, you know, we can get on board with the times because that's what the, the end user is wanting. The end user is right. getting more educated now, right? So the end yep. user is able to, okay, I can buy a barrel vice. I can buy a torque wrench in, a, in an action wrench and I can, I, I don't need to be without and I can maybe get three different caliber barrels for one action and then i don't have to build three rifles some people want to build three rifles but um you know and and it no longer has to be like you know ai i think has as far as user capability in the field um you know and the cost of like you buy three barrels we make ai's the same you know ai's for us are the identical price it's like tl3 tikas whatever they're all you put the same options on the barrel, they're all the same, right? Yep. Now, Desert Tech makes easier to swap barrels because you don't have to, like, screw anything in and out. you got a couple of screws to do, but you've got a very expensive barrel extension. You've got a chassis that you may or may not like a bullpup. Like, there's some detractors to that design that some yeah. guys don't like. But they've got, you the know, desert, so, the desert tech's got the, in my opinion, I think desert tech, I, I agree with you. I think desert tech has 
their their system is probably the best quick change of any of the quick change capable systems out there. That's the only thing yeah. I like about Desert Tech, as far as really being honest. I mean, I'm just not a bullpup fan. Um, and I, I don't like Well, anything. being left-handed for years, if I was going to shoot a Desert Tech, my cheek weld was on the bolt handle slot in the side of the gun. So if it recoiled more than a mouse fart, it was going to beat yeah. my face up. Yeah, you you were spitting chiclets after that if you'd done that. Um, but, you know, they, they've they got – I mean, AI's got the – I mean, I think they're, they're basically – I don't know. I'm I'm biased. I love AI. So, but they've I, got I a love, great system. Like it's a great system, and they protected it really well too. You know, there's there's the other systems like, you know, ARC's got the bar lock. That's that's pretty good. Although there were some questions about it and some worries earlier. Yeah. There's other stuff out there like set screws and yeah, clamp on ter- recoil lugs and yeah, stuff like that. And yeah, that, and... that we make barrels for that. But I honestly, I tell people you know, like, Hey, I want a set screw install. Okay, cool. And I'll tell them right when the barrel ships, look, if you have a wandering zero problem, take the screws out, torque the barrel on, see if the zero goes, problem goes away. If it does, it's not the barrel and it's not our responsibility. Yeah. And well, and when you do that too, if you're having to go, if, if a barrel is cut to maybe I'm wrong, you tell me, you correct me if I'm wrong. If the barrel is cut for, uh, the intense purpose of using a set screw, but yet, okay, you have that wandering zero, and then you go and torque it on. Now you're now changing your what will be your fired brass dimensions. I mean, am, I, am I correct? Uh, um, a little bit. So it depends on how good your threads are, too. Because, it, like, there's a, a lot of talk on forums about, oh, yeah, you've got to take into account the crush for when you torque a barrel together. Um, the more I make barrels, and I came to this conclusion a few years ago when we switched to uh, CNC and then when I moved to a turning center that was even stiffer and a better machine than our uh, flatbed, you know, our Haas TL1, we saw the, the numbers that were involved in the crush drop when it went from a manual machine to a manual machine with different inserts to uh, a CNC machine to a 14,000 pound turning center, that crush number dropped to the point now where it's like a tenth or two. Grease it up, torque it on three, four times, and measure the headspace a second time. It, it doesn't register without a five decimal place micrometer. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's good. Now, but you now it, neg- um, it negates your fucking quick change capabilities you know if you have to do that yeah it does that that then again that lies with the design of the action um i know a lot of people who have their terminuses their terminuses that plural uh terminus actions that they enjoy and they've got the quick change you know you know me the the terminus is a very appealing action um I, I like, you know, I love three lugs and six degree bolt throws. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got, you can put whatever trigger you want in there and it's got trigger pins instead or trigger screws instead of pins. Um, yeah. That's, oh man. There's I, a I, lot I, to I like about that. a lot of actions on the market. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's, uh, I don't have any problem with that. Like, I don't see any particular action at this point being like, it's got every single thing that I like. For a bolt gun, right? Like, 
I don't quite like the bolt lift in the Curtis and the Terminus is because I like the bolt lift in the Nucleus a little bit better because it's a lot lighter. But at the same time, I like how my TL3 feels. And I own an impact, but I have yet to be able to find a left-handed impact. So, you know, like it's sort of like the demo gun that I let people play with at the range when I meet them just because I don't spend time shooting a right-handed rifle. There's, you know, like, there's a lot of things and a lot of actions that are really fucking good. And, yeah. and what we're doing ultimately is we're, we're almost creating problems that didn't exist. Like if you look at posts from sniper's hide and sniper central, um, and, and the gun forms from like, Holy shit. I forgot. Yeah. I, I don't Man. know if you can even look at that archive place, but right. Like, but look at like 2006, seven, eight, nine, right. Go back 10 to 15 years. What was your option back then? Your option was Defiant, um, maybe Kelblees. I don't think Kelblees had one, surgeon. had a tactical action at the time. Yep, Surgeon. And, you know, so like... I worked over Remington. You had very limited things. You know, there were, you, you got a Remington extractor, you got a Stocko-style extractor, or you got a Mini-16. And the Mini-16 was like the hottest shit since sliced bread, mm-hmm. right? You didn't really have, you know, now we are absolutely spoiled for choice. Yeah. So, you know, like, I don't think any company is making something bad. It's different flavors. You know, I don't like Wonder Bread, but, and, and you know, like, I like potato rolls. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's uh, kind of something that I've gone to with giving advice or whatever to people or just asked about what action this, what action that. And it's like, hey, look, they're all good, dude. Just look at, Go to each website of all of these actions, all the ones you're asking about. You read through the description and all the um, details of each action of their of their um, you know different attributes or their features, the feature set. Which one is more appealing to you, and and what importance do you put on each of these things, and and go from there. And then at that point, if you're still between a hand a handful of them. Just put them on a wall with their names and throw a fucking dart and whatever it lands on, just go right. with that one. I mean, they all, they all work, yep. you know. They all they all do well. Now. Yeah. I mean, that's the the beauty of innovation of of manufacturing is that you know it, you know we the consumer get the you know yep. the benefit of it. You know, um, there's so many good. Actors. Yeah, I mean, it's- ninety degrees, sixty degrees, seventy two degree uh, bolt throws, yep. light, heavy. Three lug, two lug, AW compatible, not whatever. You know they 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 all got their spin. And the one thing I will say is that Ted is the one. He's the one. Whether you like ARC actions with a feel or whatever, the one thing you can't take away from him is he's not just basing something off of the Remington Seven Hundred, like what's been done. Like he, that's the whole thing with Archimedes. Yeah. Like, well, this is a different take on it. And I'm gonna. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try yeah. this out. And, and then like his extract, you know, he taken, you know, the, from the, the, the Mauser and the Springfield, um, and, and kind of putting them all into one. And then, Hey, guess what? They're in a Remington 700 footprint that and the triggers. That's about the only thing that they take away from the Remington 700 is the triggers and the footprint. Everything else is, right. you know, either proprietary or it's yep. taken from this and that that no one else is doing though. And that I appreciate, yep. you know, I don't have one anymore, but and- I've had two of them. And the, you know, and the reason they do the triggers and the footprint is because it's market demand that's really yeah. forced 
their hand in that, right? Like Ted's got trigger designs and holds patents on triggers. And I keep telling them for years. And I know Mark Gordon said this to him. Addis has said this to him. Like, dude, when are you going to make a trigger? Like, you know, you talk this big game and you're not necessarily wrong about certain things. You know, the same thing can be said of all the triggers on the market, yeah. right? Jewel, Trigger Tech, Timney, Bix and Andy, they're all fucking great triggers. We're all spoiled for choice at this point. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that we can lean on Ted and peer pressure him into, okay, we're, we're going to do a trigger the way I envision a trigger. Cause I, you know, I don't know exactly what he would do. And I'm, you know, I am privy to some of the stuff he has done in the past. That's not on the market. And it's like, man, these are fucking great. When are you going to actually make a trigger? I guess Ted has got is he's trying to fill the market out to be like, all right, I don't if he's going to do it, if he's going to put the the equity and the sweat equity into producing these things, it's going to have to be the right time, and he's got to be convinced that it's going to take off. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm thinking that's just mm-hmm. that's where Ted's got to be on that. You know what my what the little reach that I have with this podcast or whatever, which is fucking nil. Um, I've tried to put it out there to the, uh, any of the aftermarket trigger companies to make a, an, an aftermarket single stage trigger for an AI. Like I would literally, I'd shit my pants. If anybody, Bix and Andy, trigger tech, Timney, any of those that you mentioned, if they said, Hey, here is our, Single stage rendition of an A of trigger for an AI. Oh my God. I would literally, my dick would be harder than fucking reinforced woodpecker lips. And I would be, (laughs) Oh my God. If, if they came out with a trigger tech diamond for an AI shit dog, you can't tell me nothing. And, uh, now see my buddy Rick from GCP, he's tight with the guys at Timney and he actually has, I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about this. I'm not going to give it away, but he's got a prototype trigger for a certain, not an AI. I wish it was an AI, but um, that they're, they're taking a kind of a new approach to the break of a trigger of how it feels and like what the mechanism is. And I, like I said, I'm not going to go, not that I even know a whole lot about it other than what he told me, but I don't want to divulge any details. I'm not supposed to, but I felt it when I was down in Florida, I went to GCP cause I was like 45 minutes from a shop where we were staying. And, um, Oh my God, that trigger felt fucking phenomenal. Like Timney, I've, I've had some Timney triggers and it's like, they've been great. The ones that I had, but I, I, you know, felt Bix and Andy's that I like and trigger techs that I've had that I like, you know, better, whatever. Dude, this Timney, this one they've got going on now, this bitch is the heat. Yeah. This thing feels fucking good. It's definitely the best trigger right. ever made. I'm like, Rick, you you tight with these dudes over here at Timney. Please, please tell them to make a fucking AI trigger, a single stage, this trigger, actually, this trigger that you have here, tell them to make this bitch for an AI. He said, dude, honestly, I think they might would do that if they have had a fucking AI. I was like, man, I, I don't want to get rid. I don't want to get be without my AI long enough for a trigger company that don't know me from Adam's dog to to build a trigger off of. But damn, if they say, yeah, right. But I fuck if they. I got this ticker going. If if they could say, hey, you let us, you let us borrow your AI, we'll build a trigger for it, and we'll start making. I, dude, I'd send my shit in a quick second. I would. I'd send it down to them. 
Um, I don't even know where Timmy yep. is, but I'd send it to him. But Arizona, Arizona, yeah, I'll send my shit yeah. to Arizona tomorrow if they said that shit. And I just I would do anything for them to be eight. Now, see the CG Jackson, the the comp trigger, right? It is my opinion. As long as you don't have any issues with like drop fire or stuff like that, which knock on wood, I never have. Because I don't fuck with sear engagement. I don't fuck with none of that stuff. I only fuck with... Uh, D.G. Jackson, man. Yeah. I forgot about that trigger company. Yeah, and I've got one of those, too. I've got a, I had a C.G. Jackson in my yeah. uh, my Hancock. Um, I still got it. It's over there in that drawer. But uh, I'm not a big fan. Of, uh, the trigger's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. But the, the comp trigger for the AI is, in my opinion, the way it feels, it is leaps and bounds better than a factory trigger. The factory trigger feels good. It's just heavy. I mean, that's all it is. It is the most reliable trigger well, there is. It's a military trigger. It's a military yeah. trigger, and it is a fucking proven trigger. But well, it's also a true two stage. So exactly, you know, like there's a lot of two stages, plain two, two stages, stages on the market. Yep. No, they're singles with a set. You pull them up to the wall and let go. It does not give you back the sear engagement. Yes, correct. The AI trigger, you pull it up to the wall and you let go, and the sear reengages 100. percent Right. So. I I've got my trigger, my comp trigger rigged right now, set up right now to where it is a very light first stage. I mean, almost non-existent, but it's still there. Right. So the, the people that tuned it, cause they said CG Jackson's, they kind of like this action come we're talking about. They said, Hey, you can make this into it. You can tune this trigger to a single stage. Well, yeah, you can. Well, then you got drop fires. I mean, people getting DQ'd for matches and shit for doing that. And there, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not risking that, but, uh, it's, yeah. it feels as good to me as what a two stage is going to be able to feel like in what the, the game that we're playing right now with PRS and stuff. But if I had yep. a straight up, even the trigger tech special, which I had one of those in that Hancock and I really liked that trigger for what it was. I love that trigger. Um, but yeah, that I diamond. almost used that trigger in the Hancock. The reason I didn't use the special was because it was part for marketing and part for, um, parts availability. Right. And you remember the hell of parts availability for the Hancock. The only thing that we never had a parts problem with was the trigger. The 10 meter. Hey, Timmy. Uh, yeah. Jen, I need 55 tens. All right. Here you go. I like they always had them. They always deliver. How long has the five ten been in production? I mean, forever. I mean, it's one of their. Uh, yeah, their it's OG, at least forty years. Yeah, it's one of their OG yep. triggers, and it's a great trigger. For it's not it in production anymore. It's been re- replaced. The five ten five eleven series has been replaced I by the Elite that. Hunter series now. Did not yep. know that. That shows how much I keep up with Timney. But uh, I tell you what, I mean, not that I have a rifle for that new one to go into, but. If they made it for a Tika, I would look at it. But I'm I'm digging this factory trigger now that now that I've I've got it worked up like I've got it worked now. It feels great. Um, but mm-hmm. the uh, if yeah that new trigger that I felt of Rick, on Rick's it's on Rick's personal rifle. and There's only like fucking three in existence. Uh, it's a prototype. Yeah, that thing feels so fucking good, dude. Um, I, I like I said, I wish I could divulge more details, and I may be able to. Just don't know that I can. I just ain't going to run my mouth mm-hmm. off, you know, too much without, without knowing. And, uh, and I don't want to put Rick in a bad spot, 
But it uh, Timmy's doing some good shit, man. They've uh, I don't even know I don't even remember what it was called, what this new prototype, what it was supposedly called. But the bitch was gangster. Um, <laughs> but speaking of gangster, that would be a that would be a fucking funny trigger name for it. Yeah, the, the trigger, the, right here, the, the, the gangster, the Timmy gangster is what it, the, dude. You let me, <laughs> you let me get them to make an AI trigger use off of my AI. Yeah. It's gonna be, hey, look, this is for free. You can borrow my rifle, keep it as long as you want, as long as you name the trigger. The 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 Timmy the Timmy gangster is what it's gonna be called. <laughs> but, I just like that. What was it? High Point that put out the thing that the and, Yeet uh, Cannon, yeah, they, the Yeet the Cannon, the Yeet Cannon, <laughs> dude. On my on my Osprey Dasher barrel, I've got a big sticker on top of it. That just says Yeet. <laughs> it's got Yeet across the top of the barrel. I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, that bit. I bought it on Amazon. Like, oh, I'm, I'm buying that bitch. It's going on one of my barrels. Yeet, dude. Jax, Jax says Yeet all the fucking time, dude. Anytime somebody will get like. I don't even know what one of the examples that he would say it, but it'd be like, yo, he was like, yeet. I was like, where the hell did you you hear yeet from? He's like, I don't know, yeet. (laughs) Dude, he'll he'll sweep somebody. He'll be in jujitsu, right? And he'll, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm teaching and I'm right above him. And he'll sweep a kid. He'll sweep and go, yeet. (laughs) Sweep him. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, it is so fucking cold blood when he does that shit. It's hilarious. But so. Speaking of gangster, everyone now in the past, like what, five years, barrel companies have been, a few have started coming out with carbon fiber barrels. And, you know, proof, proof was, they were the OGs. Proof, proof come out with, the, my opinion, the first viable carbon fiber barrel that you could, it almost, you know, you know, proof has gotten real big into the steel barrel game as well, and they're really good barrels. They're they're very good barrels. Um, and I mean, I've got one, and it uh, they're they're great barrels. But you know, when you typically when you hear proof, you're automatically defaulting in your head to it's a carbon fiber barrel. So no, you got to hear a proof steel right. barrel for it to be a not a, for it not to be a carbon barrel. You're talking about you got to say a proof steel barrel. So proof. Right. You know, they were the ones that were synonymous with carbon fiber barrels. And then you had companies like, um, you know, Hardy carbon fibers. They're not very big here in the U S they were, um, yeah, they, they, they came into the U S and I built some barrel. I built some guns off of those in late 2015, early 2016. And, uh, the supply on them dried up. We had a lot of yeah. barrels get returned. Where were they um, out of? Were they they were, in Australia. Where were they? Where was Hardy? Um, Hardy was where? Australia or New Zealand? Yeah, somewhere down there. New Zealand, yeah. Australia. There, I've got actually got a bunch of Aussies that listen to this. I'm sorry, I don't mean to say that they're the same place, but down there, you're yeah. on the same place. Um, but, southern, uh, southern Hemisphere, right down where it's hot as um, shit. And everything yeah. will kill you. Um, yeah, really. But uh, and then you know, then yeah, I watched the Discovery Channel presentation back with. Uh, Steve Irwin and you know, they're going through it. It was like the top 10 most. Yeah. (laughs) The the top 10 most poisonous snakes in the world. Eight of them are in Australia. And number one, it's like number one through six is in Australia. And then there's the King Cobra in Asia. And then it's like seven, eight, nine, and then another Asian Cobra. The rest of them are in Australia. 
oh, by the way, the insects will kill you, the plant life will kill you, the platypus will kill you. Fucking like crocs, dude, fucking just yeah, like everything in Australia is venomous, has teeth, and does not like people. It wants to eat you for sure, absolutely. The fucking crocs, yeah. the sharks, dude. It's look, it's first of all, <laughs> right now it's Shark Fest. Me and Jax and Courtney have been fucking killing the damn National Geographic channel watching some damn Shark Fest. Dude, we he's down there right now watching Shark Fest. Um, we've, right. we've been killing some sharks. And, uh, but yeah, so then you had, uh, let's see, you know, paradigm barrels that we, we did work with paradigm, uh, carbon fiber barrels, Bartland yep. started, um, coming carbon out. six, yeah, Helix yeah, six. That's the, yeah, carbon six. I remember that one, carbon six, uh, Bartland, yep. Bartland, they, they took a little bit different approach to it where they were, if you had the same length barrel and supposedly like the same contour as like a proof, the proof would be lighter, but that was because proof, I mean, uh, Bartland left a little bit more steel backbone in it, right? They, they're a little yeah. bit heavier, but this, yeah, because the, they, the actual, the, the barrel itself is they leave a little bit more steel in it underneath the carbon. Yeah. Rod. They leave a lot more material in their core. Right. And I don't yep. necessarily disagree with that. Like I don't disagree with, Hey, we're you're lightening up the barrel, but we also we want to make sure we're keeping as much rigidity as we can with heat dissipation yep. and all that stuff. So I'm I'm not even mad at Bartlin for that at all. Bartlin, I think they're on some good stuff. But now, see, you jumped in with Osprey barrels back. When did was the first Ospreys cut? Last year, early last year. Uh, the, the first public release barrels were a year ago. Yeah. Now we've yep. got. We're having carbon fiber ospreys are going to hit the market. Let's talk about it. Yep. So we are we're doing all of the metal work in house, and then we recruited a composite shop that we've done a lot of work with, where we do their metal work uh, and cores for them. And uh, they, you know, they typically supply blanks from whomever, wherever they're buying blanks from. Um, occasionally we sub in Ospreys and I had not looked at doing Osprey carbons just because over the last year, spooling up into making barrels and standing up, you know, more capacity in our breaks and supporting a couple of other clients that we do contract parts for. And it's just like, holy shit, man, like how, how are we going to think about doing this? Um, but then when we started doing for uh, about nine months now, we've been doing cores. Uh, really regular for this company, uh, a couple hundred of them a month. And I finally said to him, you know, like, okay, we subbed in some barrels for you. How'd they shoot? Oh, they shot great. Like, in fact, they, they shot better than most of the other stuff we had. Okay. So we did a little bit of tweaking on them. We, we changed some, some things. Um, not in terms of the layup, like those guys really had the layup dialed down right. really, really well. Um, we just changed the contours just a little bit so that it fits with what we've classically done with PVA barrels. So uh, we can do um, a Tika or any of our hunting contours um, at a proof level weight with an Osprey. And uh, we don't have, the, the, the company that we're working with does not have the capability to be able to cut the, the barrel at any given length, like a couple of the others. Um, but what we do have is availability. And I think we're using a really high end core, 
um, that some other folks are not using and um, they've, they've been great. So we've done, I think 14 prototypes after making the tweaks to the contours to fit what, what I wanted. Um, no layup changes. We've done two, I don't know, 1800 barrels or something for these folks already. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we do tons and tons of pre-chambered stuff, barrel nuts and shoulder prefits for them. And, and I always ask them, you know, like we talk Tuesday mornings, Friday mornings, we have a standard phone call. What's going on with the week? What do we need? You know, um, we work really closely with them. How are the barrel shooting? Every time he's like, we're just going to keep sending you more and more work because the stuff that we get from you, we never get a call back for headspace. We never get a call back for the barrel doesn't shoot. We never get a call back like, Hey, these threads don't fit my action or Hey, these muzzle threads don't fit my receipt. You know, he's like, your machine work is, is literally second to none. Um, it's awesome. So, you know, we keep absorbing more work from that, uh, to the point that like, I'm, you know, I'm starting to go, okay, like we can't take more because otherwise we're not going to be able to serve our retail business and our other clients. Right. And I, and I won't put us in the position where we are a, basically a one customer business. Um, cause all that stuff can change and then, then we get a big problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're working closely with them. Um, we're starting with a few 22s, sixes, six fives and thirties, you know, the standard stuff for the Ospreys. And it's going to be heavier in terms of what we have available for six fives and thirties, just because, you know, carbons are a a hunting barrel typically and nobody shoots those things in a match. Um, you could with these, but I don't know why you would. Um, when we're all, you know, everybody wants no to taper. add weight to gun. Yeah. Yeah. No taper weight yeah. kits and fucking, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, the folks over at gray ops are making these badass weight kits that bolt onto chassis so that, you know, um, yeah, you, Dave, Dave's you can, killing it over there. Dave's killing it over there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the videos of his new horizontal, the palletized horizontal that he's making stuff on? No. They're pretty baller. Is it? Yeah. He got it. Um, so he got a horizontal milling machine, palletized DMG, and it just has like, it has an automatic pallet pool in it and he sets the thing up and he bolts all the stuff in and he presses go and the bitch runs all day long. And before he goes home for the night, he changes all the stuff out on the pallets that are done, loads up more blanks, presses go. It runs all night long while he's home sleeping and he's running the other three machines in the shop at the same time. You got to love making money. You got, you got to love making money sitting at home sleeping, you know, yep. knowing that shit's, you know, making you yep. money while you're at home. Uh, and, and I, I've been teasing them for a couple of years, uh, you know, cause like I've known Dave for a decade, like we were shooting matches before PRS existed and he's from Western PA. I'd see him a few times a year. So I've been teasing them with pictures of like, you know, total runtime, unattended runtime from the Swiss and from the other machine, you know, from the, the bar fed machines, like, you know, my personal record, uh, I was running parts for a client in Ohio and it was a time, um, in the beginning of 2021, we got three snowstorms back to back, like mm-hmm. in, um, in got, February, got your power out, all kind of shit, phones out, yeah, and, internet. Everything. And, and it was like, we had this window where it was about four days long. There was snow everywhere, but the power for 
some reason was stable. Like a mouse can fart and the power in the shop goes off. But for three days, we didn't have high winds. We just had lots of snow. The schools were closed. So Elijah and I packed it up. And in the morning, we go over, we load the bar feeder, flip all the inserts, press go. And in the evening, we go over, we load the bar feeder, flip all the inserts, press go again, plug gauge all the threads, check the part, go home. It would run. It would stop at a certain number. And um, I had, in a 72-hour period, I had 69 hours and 32 minutes of cutting time. <laughs> in a three day period. So, so what so you're telling me I is always, you, you sent him a you sent DP a big old flex. You flexed on him. Yeah. Right, I see what you did. That's, yep. that's a fuckboy yep. shit. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's got this milling machine. I can't do that with with our mill that he's pulling off now. I'm nice. I'm impressed. You know, he stepped, it's DP awesome to see friends up. level up. Yeah, yep, level it up. is. It's yeah. really awesome to see you guys do that. Yeah, it, so. yeah, he's got some cool. He's and he he comes up with some really cool stuff to, like, yeah. I'm gonna make this thing, and it's like, oh damn, that's actually a pretty, that's a pretty nifty idea. And he he's he can he can do. He's that small type machine shop. I don't mean small as far as you know not be able to do anything, but I'm saying like he has the ability, the flexibility to be like, hey, I'm gonna cook up something fucking cool as shit. I'm gonna make it. Yep. And he did. And and it's like now he sells out his, his you know, MPA. You know, he shoots for MPA. He shoots the, the, the weight kit. I love the way his, his exterior weights look on those Matrix chassis and stuff like that. And then I've got one of his. In fact, on my Tika over there on the um, on the Vision 4 end, I've got his thumb rest uh, on the side there. I've got some of his loading stuff and his um, – uh, brass marker stuff, dude. I fucking love that thing. The brass marker. Yeah. I just wish it was nope. big enough because I'm switching over to um, uh, Sharpie paint pins to go in the um, inside of the extractor groove in the case head. Okay. And, and they they last. Like, you can tumble them, and they, it doesn't come off. So you can, like... Oh, like, no kidding. Not, okay. not, not forever, but you'll have to eventually do it. But, you know, you do regular Sharpie marker, you tumble it for 30 seconds, and, and or even just putting uh, size and lube on it, the shit starts coming off. These paint pens, right. uh, CL started doing it, and I was like, man, he said, I said, tell me how it does after it tumbles. And he sent me a picture of some brass after it tumbled. It looked like he had just fucking just applied it. And it, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that shit. Um, but I wish the holes in the damn... In uh, David's um, brass marking tool, isn't big enough for that paint pen. I just wish I could yeah, maybe oh. get drilled out or something like that. But yeah, it'll fit a sharpie, but it won't fit the paint pen. But yeah, he does. He does. I'll cool say shit. something to him because that's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. I mean, shit. I I mean, I use that thing for with sharpie all the time. Like you literally now, if you use the paint pen, yeah. you gotta like do each individual piece. Which hey, you do it once, you got like maybe three, um, like cycling it through your process of sizing and tumbling everything before you got to do it again. So as quick as it is to do it one time with regular Sharpies with his brass marker, it takes longer to do it once, but you only got to do it once for a little while, you know, until you got to right. re- reapply it right. or whatever. Uh, uh, pro tip, do not put that shit on your fucking case bodies. People do not do that because that shit will come yeah, off. It won't go in your chamber. chamber. Fuck yeah. Don't do that. Yep. Um, I've yep. never done that. You know, if you, we ran into this with somebody, uh, when the first brass markers, like the, the ones that mechanically hold the, the pen in one spot, 
first came out. Mm-hmm. And somebody, I built the gun for him. He was shooting a 216. He's like, man, things are getting really tight. I'm having problems. I can't size the brass down enough. You know, we measured them. We compared it to the print. We, you know, new brass doesn't fit. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And so he brings his gun over to the shop and I look in the chamber and in the chamber it's got like this burned up blue and black looking ring on the inside of the, the chamber wall. And he had enough cycles on the brass from being in the same exact spot with, you know, it was always a red line and a blue line about a quarter inch apart. It's in the same spot every time. And over the course of, you know, 2000 rounds yeah. in the 260. Yeah. The brass didn't fit anymore. So I'm looking at that and I, I started laughing. I was like, Rob, you have not changed. You have not cleaned your chamber since you started marking the brass. He's like, no, I just, you know, I clean the barrel, but I'm like, okay, let's try please this. Tell me, like, uh, please tell me this is Rob Orman. No, 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 no. Oh, it's not damn. Rob Orman. Damn. I thought it was Rob. Uh-huh. I, was about to, I was about to blow yeah. the ass up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, if it was though, I would, I would have dimed him out completely. <laughs> um, yeah. That's what friends are for, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Get both of those dually wheels on the back. Yeah. Uh, I took one of those Q-tips that they stick up your nose for, for uh COVID test. Yeah. And I dipped it in acetone and started wiping it around. Dude, the Q-tip came out in black, blue, and red. And all of a sudden, the brass fit again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and let, let's go into that from there. Get a fucking boroscope. Dude, it's 2022. Get a damn on on Amazon, any of the boroscopes, the test longs or whatever that you connect to your phone. Get a boroscope. What you need to do is, because A, you need to be looking at it for cleaning your, your barrel anyway. Um, but B, don't go past about two inches past the throat. Like, don't even do it. Don't go, don't look past it. You need to look at your chamber. You need to look at your throat area and like it right at the beginning of your, your lands and grooves. After that, don't go past it. There's no need if you go past it. Because you're going to start seeing some shit. If you don't know what you're looking at, you're going to start seeing some shit that's going to be thinking, oh, my God, what's wrong with my barrel? The bitch is still shooting, you know, three-eighths, a quarter quarter minute groups, yeah. and yet you're worried about firecracking yep. and shit. Shut the fuck up. You don't worry about firecracking. I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't even worry about the throat. Like, you need a borescope to make sure that the inside of the crown doesn't have, uh, you know, some kind of nick or something in it if you're getting a problem. And the inside of the, you know, there's no carbon ring. That's, that's like, what I mean. Right your, there. Yeah, right that, there is your free bore because, uh, you know, that's, you can, look, I ain't the first one to talk about on a podcast. It's been talked about ad nauseum. But you can go, you go shoot a match or a couple matches and you go clean your barrel and you pat, you, you, your patches are dirty. They're way dirty. They're black. You're getting carbon out. Great. You can try to go for copper or whatever. And then you start getting, you know, clean patches. All right, cool. My barrel's clean. Bullshit, motherfucker. You better look at that thing because just because mm-hmm. you ain't getting nothing on them patches don't mean there ain't shit still in there. That carbon ring can right. be, you might have just knocked the dust off the bitch. And the thing is so hard that you aren't, it's not doing anything but with patches. Like you could patch it to yeah. the fucking dead and you're not going to get that carbon ring out. You've got to bust that bitch out. The only way you know it's there. Other than when, when it's too late, where pressure signs and you got either you're pulling bullets or you're you're shooting way too fast, or you're yeah. getting a bolt lift, 
only way to is that look if at you're if you're getting pressure signs and pulling bullets like it's too late yeah like that chamber bit needs gunsmith tlc yeah at bare, if, at if bare it can minimum, be saved it needs gunsmith at bare minimum what you got to do is take take to take your brake off put a thread th- protector on you need to plug that thing the barrel end with an earplug get it set it up or take it obviously take it off the gun and then you got to let just fill up the whole barrel up to the to the threads with C4 or CLR or something like that and let yep. that bitch soak. And then after you do that, then you, you brush it out, patch it out, then you're done. But otherwise, yeah, you can get bad enough where you're exactly right. You, you do need to – I mean, what would you do in that case? Would you run like a, like a finishing reamer or like a, a freeboard reamer in there to bust up that carbon? What would you do? Yeah, so that that actually is uh, – I didn't get a chance to tell you this. We got a new product that's out at Anodize right now. It's a solid thread protector with a butyl rubber ring in it. Ooh. And and what oh, you do is exactly that. You, you screw the thing onto the barrel. It's like uh, 780,000 deep so that it'll fit on any 5824 thread and has a butyl rubber cap. You screw it down and the butyl and, and or not a cap, a, a ring in it. So you run that thing down, snug it in place with your fingers. You put the barrel uh, straight down, you know, whether the barrel's on the gun or off the gun. And you fill it up with C4 or, um, you know, the uh, Bortec Eliminator or what, yeah, whatever. One, of, one of those products, uh, whatever your favorite flavor is, I mean, just fuel injector cleaner and acetone if that's what it is Croil, but um Croil is amazing at that and it smells like skittles um (laughs) i love Croil. um but you know like this is it's literally like it's a it's a 30 dollar cap right the whole purpose is we're gonna and and i've got them they're being color code anodized and they'll, you know, they'll be done in about three weeks or so. Yeah, you need um, a prototype but, tester, a product tester, and you've you've got my address on fucking speed print. So, <laughs> right, I need one at my house ASAP because I want one of those. Yep. and and that's that's exactly what it's for. Is things get out of hand, you know, you shoot three two days in a row, a couple of practice days, and some zero days. Pretty soon, you got a thousand rounds down that barrel, and you've got a carbon ring. That's not coming out. You just put this in, soak it, leave the gun standing in the corner, nose down. And, you know, like, I'm always a little careful about it. I leave them in a little metal, like one of those chafing dishes in case it leaks. Like, yeah, you don't the want worst to show the floor. That we, yeah, fuck that. Right. But, the, you know, the intent of the cap is that you put it on, you snug it in place, and then you fill the thing up with fuel injector cleaner type uh, scrubbing agent and leave it for three days yeah what what color do you get them anodized um so the 5h 24s are red half 28s are green uh three quarter 24s are blue i think so they're basically what they're all like off the wall bright colors that's what i was going to suggest like, don't yeah be, don't they're making them bitches black yeah yeah uh, no <laughs> they're, have they're there so the that they are yeah, like, um, you know, I was thinking about making some 916-24s in, like, purple. But, you know, we sell so few 916-24 pieces that I don't know if I'm going to make them. So, by the way, you, you know, owe we did, me a 916 uh, by 24 uh, break, by the way. 
for my Grendel barrel. It's not. Oh, you need one? Yes. Don't ask me why Shilling makes, why they cut them that. But yes, it's a Shilling. And it, it's literally, I've got a, well, if I don't have my suppressor on it, I've got this like bullshit Brownells break that I've got to time with washers and it don't ever time right the fuck. I mean, I need a a new break for it. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. I've got that covered. Yeah, but no, fact, this is uh, look, David I Thomas. David Thomas actually, this is the only way he cleans. <clears throat> excuse me, he's the only way he cleans his barrels. He he doesn't even scrub them. He just takes the fuckers off, plugs them up, runs C four yeah. or whatever in it, let it sit, and then patches it out. And it is literally a brand new fucking barrel. Like it is, ain't nothing going to tote that shit. Like you you let it sit yeah. for a day or two with uh, with that in it. I don't the roughest, toughest. Uh, carbon or or even copper if you're using a copper agent um, like you know patch out does copper and um, uh, carbon so I mean you can get you let that bitch soak it works and, and yeah. people don't understand that the, the, this damn copper and and the carbon they layer you'll take the first top out and okay your carbon's out but guess what look in your bore now it looks like you know, a gold mine, all the copper, and then you, you scrub that copper out. Guess what? More carbon. And then you got more carbon. Yeah. It layers on there. That's, you know, an unkept barrel that layers. And I mean, yep. you're not going to, if you fuck up a barrel with a damn brass brush, there's something wrong with your fucking barrel because you got a copper bullet going out of it 3,000 feet per second. You think you going, you know, half a mile an hour with a fucking brass brush is going to you know hurt a barrel a brass brush. no where where that happens is when you get you know you drag a corner across something and bash it yeah you know yeah, you go, but like sure that's gonna not be being work. careful not using a bore guide that's when you have problems yeah and it wasn't the brush that did that it was your dumbass. you know when, when that happens so um yep. yeah be careful but you know yeah get you got to be able to get this shit out to where you're not like leading day one of a two day match, and the next day you go out there, and all of a sudden your first fucking stage, you're like why the fuck yeah. did that just go above the target? And why is my bolt so damn heavy? Why is this going 150 feet faster than yesterday? You know, right. it could just it's going yep. when it bites you, it's going to be the worst fucking time. You, that's just I mean, that's yep. just uh, um, what is that called now? Something left me. Uh, Murphy's law. Murphy's Law. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be the worst yep. time. What can go bad will go bad, and it'll be at the worst time ever. Yep. And don't be that guy. That's right. So you know, I I'll, yep. you know after every match, I every clean. match there's one of those guys. Literally every match I've ever attended for 15 years, there's somebody there, if not more than five. There's somebody there. Yeah, my barrel went. Oh, it's time to clean it. Oh, my barrel's gone. Like something, my scope went down. There is somebody at every match who's unfortunate enough to have that equipment failure. And, you know, like you, you travel for matches. It doesn't take very long to have an equipment failure and realize I just fucking pissed a ton of money down the drain. Yeah. Go to a match and shit the bed because my scope broke. My gun went down. My brake was loose. I didn't clean my barrel, you know? Well, and see, that's the one that hurts the most. Now, no one controls no one has control whether like your scope breaks unless you buy a piece of shit scope. Uh, no, one, no one controls that, right? That's not nothing you did. That's a bad, unfortunate circumstance or 
maybe your your yeah, like you said, your break. But that's something that's fixable right then and there. Good luck getting yep. a carbon ring out on a stage, and that was something that could have been prevented mm-hmm. before you even left, and should have been prevented before yep. you left to to go. And that that's yeah. the one that makes you feel like God damn it. Uh, I think Jeff. Yeah. Jeff I mean, I, Jeff had a carbon yeah. ring at a match. He didn't have he didn't have pressure, but he was pulling bullets. He was. I think he was. We were in Virginia at Pig River. I think. I'm trying. We oh, went, that was one of his dashers, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was a dasher. We kept pulling bullets. That was yep. his TL three, and he kept pulling bullets. And uh, we went to like advanced or yeah, advanced auto parts or. AutoZone or something like that, and I was like, "All right, we got to get something." We went to Walmart, got a bullshit uh, cleaning kit, and we got what did we buy? We bought we bought everything in the world that would bust up carbon, and we sat there and patched his shit out of his barrel. He got it where it was working again, and and it wasn't no problem. He was lucky that it worked out that way. But we you know we've all been there, and you know you shoot these little short net cartridges like Dasher and stuff. It's even more so. Um, common to have that kind of crap to happen you know yep so i mean it'd be like that yeah especially with a short neck yeah and um yeah or hell even if you like trim your brass too short let's say you're trimming brass you trim it too short you don't you never had no problem before but now all of a sudden you're developing a carbon ring more often than you normally do well it's well because there's uh, now surface area inside your throat that is not covered by brass that would that was or should be because you trimmed them too short, um, and you know that happened. Um, moving on, what what else we got going on? PV, we got some new bullets or something. Um, so let's see what we got going on with some. Bullets? Oh yeah, um, so I got two new thirty calibers that we've been monkeying with. Mm. Um. Hunting one's or, uh or the match. What's that? Hunting or match? They're they're hunting bullets. Yeah, they're hunting bullets. Um, so for match bullets, I think we're pretty well sewn up there. We've got everything from you know twelve twist, one hundred and sixty three grain bullets, all the way to seven twist, two hundred forty one grain bullets. That you know even three seventy fives and four sixteens can't touch the BC on the two forty one. Like. You know, without going to like a 400 grain bullet, ain't nobody coming up with a lead jacketed bullet that's going to touch this thing. And the solids out there, nobody's nobody's even close. So I started messing more with hunting bullets. And, you know, Pennsylvania, like the 3030 is still an enormously popular deer hunting rifle. Um, it, it's still popular in, in a ton of states. So we were approached by. 3030? I don't. I've never, um, I've never owned a thirty thirty, so I don't know. But do a lot of people load for thirty thirty? Uh, people do. You know, most of that crowd is like they buy two boxes of ammo a year, kind of thing. And and the reason that I made the bullet specifically for the thirty thirty was because we were approached by an ammunition manufacturer in Pennsylvania that said, "Hey, we, you know, we used to buy um, this Lehigh Defense." bullet they sold the company the company that they sold to is no longer selling to the civilian market for that stuff blah 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 blah. long story short we can't get that bullet anymore um can you make us something that won't violate the patent but is competitive with it so it's 160 grains it's got a big hollow point you can do shots out of the hollow point on it 
Um, but it's flat across the nose so that it's safe in tubular magazines and um, it's got the controlled bearing surface in it. So we're seeing 145 grain velocities out of a 3030 and you know with 160 grain copper bullets because it's only got the bearing surface of 140 145 grain bullets right um and then i took that and i scaled the bullet to a target you know somewhere in the 190 to 200 range we ended up with like a 195.5 and that was designed to be subsonic stable in a one and eight twist and feed from an AR-15 magazine Ooh. for the blackout. Yeah. So uh, I've got a friend who's doing the prototype testing for the blackout bullet. And, you know, we shot it into gel at subsonic speeds. It opens up like a quarter in soft gel at point blank range. So all right, we're doing pretty good. So they take it hunting at this place and his 17 year old son shoots a 330 pound Florida hog that looks like it's half Russian boar. Mm. Shot it just shy of 400 yards across mm. both shoulder blades, and he said the you could stick a broom handle across that animal. It hit the with thing. It took a couple of with a blackout. Four, I'm not even poking at a target at 400 yards with a blackout. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Play on. So, but he said like a good solid inch and a quarter hole in the offside shoulder through the bone. Nice. Um, yeah, he said it was awesome. And it and it went down like it had gotten shot with a, you know, like a 308 or a 306. It did not go down like it was shot with a blackout. Right, yeah. I mean, we all know those pigs are notoriously fucking tough. And, I mean, they can... Nasty they can, they and can, tough. Yeah, they can tote a whole bunch of bullshit. But, no, nah, that's... That's awesome, dude. Um, I can't wait. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot a deer with the. I got some of the 25s, the uh, 117 grain, uh, 25. Oh yeah. Grain. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot something with them this year. Um, yep. Yeah, I actually just picked up a new piece of land right here about the house. Well, I'm fairly certain I'm gonna have that in my possession that I'm gonna be able to hunt this year, and I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, here pretty soon. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna spin on that twenty five barrel or that six br barrel you're cutting for me. I don't know which I'm gonna spin on next, but it yeah. might, might be the twenty five so I can get her broke in and and uh, shoot some of them solids out of it and, uh, and put some yeah. damn some brown down. Uh, put some meat in the freezer this year with some solids. It's gonna be fun. I know they've had a ton of uh feedback um like jeff being one of them out there in um where the fuck he is was it utah or jeff wood oh yeah yeah where yeah he sent me a list last week and he's like here's all the guns we're gonna hunt with with um you know like his brother his cousin his son he's like here's what we're using to hunt with this year what do you want us to kill and how much of it do you want us to kill with it and i was like yeah, I'll I'll send you a care package (laughs) right yeah he's he's whacking everything dude um and he's a killing bastard and he, yeah, you know, and not at short range either. No, this isn't like, you know, he's got a magnum and he's shooting the shit at 75 yards, like 6GT over a thousand yards on a mule deer. Damn. One and done. Where, yeah. where is he at again? Is he, was it Utah or? He's in Utah. Utah? Okay. I thought it was Utah. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of critters and shit, big critters out there to shoot and kill. And he, he yep. killed a whole bunch of them last year with, uh, with those solids too. 
Uh, he, I know he was one of your, your yeah. main product testers and he had yep. very good success with them uh, over an array of calibers. And he was, he was very happy with yeah. how they turned out. Yeah. So he shot the first, he drew the first blood ever with any bullets that we made in house. Um, I sent him 20 loaded rounds of Peterson brass with 122 Cayugas in it. And they were soft. Like this was, I, I took my 140 grain load and I put Cayugas on top of it. So it was like, 41.5 of H4350, new Peterson brass, large rifle brass at 2.850. I put the bullets in. You know, I was shooting it out of my rifle at like 28.90 and 28.87, I think is actually the number. And I'm like, okay, this is soft, but it's accurate. You know, it was a sub half minute, effectively, uh, you know, factory ammo load. I mailed him 20 rounds because that's what I had available. And he got a zero dope to a thousand and killed three elk with it and had bullets left over. Nice. Nice. And what, what is the BC on that one twenty two again? Two eighty one. Right. Out of a hunting bullet. G seven. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, that the BC on the hunting bullets don't even come close to the BC on the Seneca's on the on the match the match bullets. But. Yeah, the match bullets like three oh seven, um, and that's you know what limits the six five is that the vast vast majority of six five barrels that are in existence are one and eight, um, and you know like so we maximize what you could do with a one and eight. Right. I've also got designs that we're working through, and I've been so busy with everything going on that I really haven't had the time to, to really finalize them. Mm-hmm. But we've got one and seven, five and one and seven designs as well. And, um, the one and seven designs actually like 136 grains. It's pretty, pretty stout bullet for yeah, what it is. Kid, 137 yeah. grains. Yeah. 136 grains of yeah. solid copper. I mean, like everyone knows so yeah. you would, when a solid bullet, you typically, for caliber, they're typically on the the lighter side, and then their BC is much higher than a bullet heavier than that. Then you go with a bullet, a copper bullet that is this, of the same weight as a jacketed bullet, and it's a solid BC is going to be stupid on it. I mean, it's going to be big stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, it depends on how the solid's designed. If you have a, a well designed bullet, uh, you know, copper jacketed bullets are superior to what you can do with. Sorry copper solid machine bullets are superior to what you can do with sure. jackets for, for a few things, it, you know, so long as the aerodynamics and the shape of the copper solid is clean. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, like I've had a couple people more than a couple people say, Oh, you know, who are you? I've never heard of your stuff before. You just come out of the woodwork with these ridiculous BCs and you know, that can't possibly be true. And, and, uh, I've been like, I just didn't shoot my mouth off about it. I've been working on these designs since 2009 and, um, they didn't end up getting five issued patents on them because they were useless. Right. Um, but you know, like the 95 grain six millimeter bullet, uh, one of the matches this summer, somebody went to, and I had, um, a couple of guys that I had cut barrels for one guy was shooting 95 Senecas out of his six millimeter Creedmoor out of a 
7.5 twist barrel. Another guy was shooting 90, uh, 109 hybrids out of a 7 twist barrel. And a third guy was shooting 105 hybrids out of a 7 twist barrel. The 95 Senecas out of the 7.5 twist barrel were more BC than the 109 and the 105 um, out of a faster twist. And one guy was testing the 95s from a 1 and 7 twist, and he wasn't getting like, like I think the 109s were like 278, 279 out of the 7 twist. The 95s out of the 7.5 were 284, and out of the 1 and 7, they were 296. Yeah. On the on the Doppler test on the oh, the radar test, and I wasn't even there. Like I had nothing bullet. to do with this test. On a ninety-five grain bullet, is a two ninety-six and a seven twist. And I'm gonna put this out there: if you're shooting, you're definitely if you're shooting any of the paper punching sports, whether it be F class or bench rest. If you ain't shooting these motherfuckers, you are wrong. You, I mean, it is the absolute perfect situation for that where BC and consistency matters. You're not going to get more consistent than a solid laid bullet. Like it's, there's no way you can jacket a bullet and have the type of consistency that you can have with the one that's been, you know, turned on a lathe. And yeah. I, I just, and the fact is, is that you got such a low round count. I mean, if someone wants to say, Hey, look, I don't want to shoot some PRS because like, look, I mean, honestly, I shoot a fuck ton and that's, not it's they're not they're more expensive to make than a jacketed bullet is so of course yeah i mean and you're not like, you're not I, horny you're not burger you're not you know sierra so it, you're so, so the crazy thing is when it comes down to making copper bullets um jason hornady was talking about how their prices had to go up last year because you know they buy so much copper and he said yeah we use several hundred pounds of copper a month and i'm looking at it and i'm like several hundred pounds of copper a month. I was like, did we buy copper in thousand pound crates and we can cut a thousand pound crate in two weeks. Right. Yeah. And, and cost cost is going up on everybody for everything. And, but yeah. the point being yeah, is, I mean, is that yeah, I understand insane. when some people like, well, hunting, you don't need a, a lot and it's not a heavy round count endeavor, but PRS is, I, I get that. If you don't, if that's not what fits you because of round count and cost, I get that. But when you're talking about F class and bench rest, where we shoot more in a weekend, what we do than what you will in five or six matches, you got no excuse. Like you are just not utilizing, you know, the potential of a, a superior bullet in that situation. And believe me, there ain't no trimming, you know, met plats. There's no sorting bullets no is load these fuckers up and shoot them and shoot yeah. the best scores ever and, and and buck the wind and you know you got these hey the higher the, the uh it's no the secret what how bc works you know the higher your bc the more you have that in in a, a varying wind the the lesser you your bullets gonna be affected by it when you're shooting for score so, you know it's bc's king so there you know that's that's largely true. Um, but where I would kind of add on to that is when it comes down to PRS use, right? Um, guys still shoot 60T, 6 Creedmoor, 6x47 some. And the performance that you get from 
say, a 6BR with a 95 is higher than the performance that you get from a 6 Creedmoor with a 105 right. or 109. And when you look at the, the trajectory and the performance numbers there, um, you know, as your TNF factor goes up, your hit ratio goes up. So you can make a bigger mistake as a shooter and not be off of the plate. And so, you know, that comes back to factor in a few things, right? So the bullets are more expensive, but they're, you're running smaller caliber, longer barrel life, less powder, more reloads. Cause you know, like Hornady doesn't make six BR brass. Nope. You, you, you run stuff. The only people that make six BR brass, you get 12 or 15 reloads out of the thing. Yeah. You know, you're shooting uh, 65% of the powder that you do out of a Creedmoor. Um, your barrels last, like, I'm on my fourth 6BR match barrel, and it's got like 2,100 rounds on it at this point. I think my average is about 3,700 rounds on a 6BR barrel. Nice. I've had four 6 Creedmoors. The one that we ran out the most, was a Hancock and I just ran it until like no shit. It would not hold a one and a half inch group at a hundred yards. I didn't get 1800 rounds out of that gun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you, when you add up, if you look at it like, okay, the bullet itself costs 20 cents more, but the powder costs eight cents less. And the cost of the barrel life is, you know, seven yeah. or eight cents less. And, and that's now less we're not talking about. Do. I mean, that's just that's less right. load development on new barrel, breaking in new barrel, and and the headache mm -hmm. of of whether you know if that barrel shoots the new barrel shoots or not. I mean, if you're keeping the and same on, one that on works top on, of that, right. yeah, like I mean, one hundred nine burgers are not thirty two dollars a box anymore. You know, like one hundred five hybrids were in two thousand and fourteen. They're fifty dollars a box a box of bullets now so you know we're yeah we're less than 20 cents and if you buy a thousand of them that you know the numbers come down even more like it's right on the website buy in bulk and save yeah go I to mean, burger's yeah, website go, go buy a thousand bullets <laughs> you buy a hundred or you buy five thousand they're all the same price all the same price it, that's it um and yeah the more you buy yeah the bigger the bigger the savings that's i mean so, can't complain with that yeah so it's you know, like if you look at the, if you do it on pure dollars, no, the copper solids cost more money. But the guys who go racing and they try and race on pure dollars, they're back markers. They always are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what what discipline you're in. If you're in, you know, the Porsche Club of America days, it's your local track day, and you're sitting there trying to get six weekends out of a set of tires, and they got 14 heat cycles a day on them. You're not going around the track as fast as the guy who buys a new set of tires for the weekend, or he's in, you know, a, a twin turbo 911 with Tonys and everything else on it. Right. It's just, it costs money to go faster. And if you can be more competitive with more consistency in the barrel life, better wind deflection, um, and lower recoil, why would you not do it? You know, you're talking about pennies in, in a sport where hundred dollar bills bills evaporate on a match weekend. Okay. So you shoot 300 rounds and it costs 20 cents a round more to shoot them. That's 60 bucks. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, look, and you're matches, you're going to save forty five of it, right? How many matches have been won with a BR based cartridge as opposed to literally any yep. other six millimeter cartridge out there? That's the the numbers are staggering. Yep. I mean, so yeah, I mean, so if you can get if you can get in to that BR, all the things that people love about the BR based cartridges, whether it be Dasher, BRX, BRA, BR, whatever. And then yet have that that Creedmoor that whiz that really fast whiz bang caliber type performance. Where where do we go wrong here? Yeah. I mean, obviously, something yeah, I mean, has to give. That's that's the price. Yeah. But then again, look at what you're gaining on the back end of it. Right. I mean, we're talking ninety five Senecas, six BR, twenty six inch barrel, thirty fifty to thirty eighty is the typical numbers that we see from customer barrels and my barrel. Um, you know, and, you know, and, and then there's the other myth of like, oh, well, you know, if you feed it as a repeater, the points are going to get damaged and stuff like that. That's not true. Um, you know, like Aaron Hip put a 6BR barrel on and took these bullets out of the Thunder Valley. He was running them as a repeater and breaking clay pigeons with it at a mile. Dancing around the target, hitting them. Um, you know, the, the ballistics testing that was done when AB brought their their mobile lab, which side note, I would go to a match just because AB's mobile lab is going to be there. That is baller level equipment. Yeah. Like okay. What we have access to today is shooters. The military didn't have access to that level of stuff 10 years ago. And we have it walk up, pay your $300 for the weekend, get to shoot over a Doppler. Like you, you can't say no to that. Yeah. If you're running, um, if you're running AB, uh, absolutely. Yeah, if, if you're if you're running yeah. AB, um, then that's the way that's the way to go. And I and I honestly I don't I don't run AB, but if I did, I would do exactly what you're saying. I would go. I would try mm-hmm. to find the match that is the closest to me that they're bringing that mobile lab to, and I'm shooting it. But uh-huh. I don't run AB, yeah, so absolutely. I don't have to worry about it. I run Ford off. So, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you, I you, I still use. Uh... I still use shooter because yeah, I, I can't. I have full control over what the BC is and everything else. But because I've got the fidelity of the data from all of our testing, you know, it works out great for me. Yeah, and I, I mean, I use all, I use Shreelock Pro some as well. I went from that to Ford off, and I wish we could run. I mean, I really, I really like. That's the thing with me. The difference, and we can get in talking about ballistic accuracy if you want to, but to me, the biggest thing is okay. I have I can have three programs that are all telling me the exact same correct data. At that point, it becomes UI. It becomes user interface, and mm-hmm. the Shreelock Pro is my favorite user interface. Um, okay. I, it, as far as on a phone, on an actual mobile app, uh, Shreelock Pro is my favorite. I've got them all. I've got literally all of them, and the Shreelock Pro is my favorite user interface. Um, I've never paired my phone to my Kestrel for using an app on my phone, right? To get the environmentals off the Kestrel onto my phone. I've always either just gone in and manually, like looked at my Kestrel, manually inputted the environmentals, or I've just run the Kestrel, which I might have a Ford off Kestrel. So, um, which, hey, it hasn't let me down, um, I wish they would kind of update the library a little bit on the bullet, um, the bullet library. I'm scared to update it. Cause I've been, I remember like last year 
hearing like Frank and Mark and a few other people complain about the new update, how it fucked everybody's shit up. Um, like people's solutions weren't right. I don't, I don't remember what it was that they did. I, I'm, I'm scared to update it. Mine's good. Mine works. Like I don't want to update it or whatever. I'm scared to right. accidentally update it one time. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know if they may have made a new update since then to go back and fix it. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they were aware of, of the, of the oopsie daisy. And, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I've just, I, I never had a Kestrel, uh, an AB Kestrel in the elite model. I had the 5,700 sportsman. So you don't get the custom curves or you don't get the personal drag models or nothing like that. But yeah, I had, to, I, I have a Kestrel. 4500 yeah 45 it'll do bluetooth but I, I just i just never used it and i typed everything in you know like i grabbed the da and uh my powder temperature for ambient and um and that's really not even that important for a lot of stuff but one of the powders that i was running the 308 with the uh, 198 grain bullets was really temp sensitive what, so i had to be careful about that? Alliant 2000 MR. 2000 but, the, MR. you know, the reason I did it was because I was getting, like, I had to tame the load back to keep it in 2,800 foot per second <laughs> um, out of a 24-inch 308. Like, this thing was a monster. We were playing with it at the ELR match in Wyoming and dropping bombs 2,100 yards with a 308. And, and it wasn't like, shoot 20 rounds and you might see a splash. It was like, hit, hit off the left edge, off the right edge, hit, off the left edge. You know, like, we were hitting just as much as big magnums were with a 24-inch 308. It was the bullet, and, you know, that's why I did what I did with that powder. Like, I just didn't have any other choice to get those kind of performance numbers. Yeah. Um, You know, but, like, the, the DA and keep the, you know, keep watch on the DA. I mean, I've used that solution for years because if you look at, because I had the acoustic chronograph that I built, you know, I can get average data at short range, mid range, far range, you know, like as long as I can see to put the bullet through the gate, we can get data on those numbers. Yeah. And, um, you know, did a lot of testing. I might as well just use it. I haven't had an email by the other app. If you don't have access to the testing that we did, then, you know, the AB stuff is great. Use it. But, yeah, I just, you know, I, I mean, as far as the bullets go, there's... I had to lie to it, dude. I had a lie to AB, and I'm I, I'm going to piss a lot of people off, and I'm sorry if, if you don't like it, but get over it. Um, you know, my personal <laughs> experience is with AB, I could get it to line up. I could get my dope, my my data that I just shot, I, okay, I've got it written down. It took 7.8 mils to hit this target. Why is this bitch telling me that it's 8.3? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why is it? That, and it's not, I've got, I've double check all my inputs. Like, oh, you got some input wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's, it's right. And I would, to get it lined up though, I'd have to like lie like shit on my, like my velocity. Or I'd have to like change the BC like some, yeah, astronomical amount. We, there was there was some of that about five or six years ago. There was some data that went out where, um, and it was it was, I don't know that it was only isolated to the Warner Flatlines back before I was making uh, the bullets myself, but there was data where I didn't even know that AB had tested the thing, 
And I had guys calling me and telling me, hey, the update came out and the BC for the 198 is, is really off. I'm like, well, has anybody live fired it? Oh, yeah, we live fired it. Using the data that you guys publish, I'm within an inch at 1,400 yards with a 308 on the water line. With the AB data, I'm 40 inches over the top of the target. Like, there was some kind of anomaly, and I, I never got an answer on what it was, but it got solved. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and it's been so. shit. I mean, I'm being being completely candid about this, it's been, what were we in, 2020? I think it was like 2017 since I used Applied Ballistics. So then, I mean, then maybe it's not, maybe it's a non-issue now. And I know a lot of people had a lot more success now that they've had like the custom drag models and personal drag models, all that. Yeah. Stuff. I know there's a, there's a lot more success to it than that. Um, and so I'm not saying I would never try AB again. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not trying to shit on AB. They do. They, those guys like, you know, Litz and, and, um, you know, all those guys, Mitch, they, they know, they know what they're doing and they've, they've got some good shit going on now. And, uh, even, even, uh, with, uh, Francis, uh, Cologne helping out and, and working with AB now it's, uh, yeah, they've, they've got, they've got good shooters there. They're giving in good input to, so what shooters are wanting. And, uh, so my hat's off to them. I'm not saying that, that they're shit or anything. I'm not, um, I, I, I would try it again. Um, but I'm just not buying a, another $500 Kestrel to do it. I mean, I, my, if Ford off quits working, sure. I'll, 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 I'll look that way because the, the actual Kestrel unit itself, I mean, it's I mean, invaluable. You know, you have everything right there. You yeah. Can, you can't, you can't do this without a Kestrel. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah hey, what's your D8? What's the D8? Wait, you, where's your Kestrel motherfucker? Like quit asking me what a D8 right. is. You know what I'm saying? I've been that guy before. Yeah. That's a, it's a pain in the ass. And, uh, yep. but, you know, it's my batteries guy and I'm every single stage. What do you got for D8? Man, I gave you the DA two hours. Yeah, I don't care what the DA was two hours ago. We're shooting thirteen hundred yards. I need the DA right. right now. Yeah, it's a lot different. It was it's ninety eight. It was eighty. It was eighty two earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome to North Carolina. It's it it gains ten degrees every hour. Um. So and I know it's that way up there in PA too. Oh man, you got anything else, bro? Anything else you want to get out there? Um. We're still, so we have, uh, we had a really successful sale on those nucleus barreled actions. Yeah. I was two weeks ago. Meant, glad you brought that up. I meant to ask you about how the, uh, freedom from the crown sale went. Uh, sale went really, really good. And we, you know, we have the, uh, some of the most popular stuff that we get in orders for custom barrels, like, you know, like nucleus six millimeter Creedmoor 24 inch M24. That's a super popular order. So we started stocking that stuff. We've got 60 or 70 Ospreys chambered, ready to go in, you know, and, and they're all like longer kind of match contours. If you don't like that, then we still do the the custom stuff, obviously. But these are literally like the same as Colin Northland and getting the barrel nut uh, criterion. You can get a, you know, nucleus or impact or bighorn or, you know, like we have a bunch of that stuff on the shelf. Um, and so that was really good. Getting the word out for that, uh, you know, is, is pretty important. Um, but, 
the uh, oh, that June bug decided it wanted to come give me a hug. Oh. <laughs> fucker, get away from me. Um, the nucleus barreled action. I was talking with American Rifle today, and they're like, "Yeah, we you know we still have plenty of them. If you want to go beyond the the fifty that you set out to do, um, we could do another fifty. So if you guys like, uh, I'll probably put it back up on the website. We'll make a post about it. Um, but uh, you know, they're moving actions. We're moving barrels that, that go with it. So you know, nice. somebody's looking for yeah. you know a short turn. Um, on, like some of them are starting to deliver already from three weeks ago and they were all custom ordered. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like Amazon. They can just hit it, put it in my cart. Let's go. <laughs> you know, right. that that's always, and dude, like, I'm glad you're doing impacts like that, dude, because I, I tell you what, I, the last two years I've seen more impacts at a match than any other one action. Like impacts are yeah. take, got take. They're really- they're killing it yeah i mean that's like somebody you know i got a buddy who likes to it, whenever his family is over we do you know like barbecue or whatever the kids are eating ice cream you like the ice cream yeah you know why that is why you know he always asks my three-year-old well you, you know why you like ice cream benjamin he goes no why because because it's delicious you know why you see a lot of impacts that matches they work because they're good action you're right, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like dude, you get dude, Lone Peaks and I'm not mistaken, Lone Peaks and um, Impacts they headspace the same, right? Like they they barrels are yeah, so, yep, they are. The, the so. timing doesn't line up, um, right? You know, so like you you know your caliber marking is not necessarily going to be in the same place, but that has nothing to do with the headspace, and that that's a common misconception we get. People like, oh my, you know. I think my headspace is off because the, the logo is not quite perfect. And it's like, no, that really has nothing to do with it. Like, put a gauge in there and tell me what's I've got logos all over my barrels. It won't be at six. One will be at fucking 12. One will be at three or one. And they all headspace. Perfect. They're the same. It don't fucking matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, but yeah. So basically the, the difference, if you like trigger hangers, get an impact. If you like regular trigger pins, go to Lone Peak. Um, other than, I mean, they're, they're very, very similar actions, both equally awesome actions. Um, and, yep. uh, I like the impacts cause they actually have a option for a round ball handle. I just wish it was swept, which I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. 90 degrees swept. I don't know how good that'd work, but, um, yeah, those impacts are killer. Everyone's jumping on the impact train and I don't blame them. They're, they're phenomenal yeah. actions. If, if I was like said, fucking AI, I'm done. It'd be hard pressed to get me away from either an impact or a lone peak. Or if I wanted to go 90 degree bolt throw it, it, it'd be hard pressed to get me away from either one of them too, because they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty much the easy button, right? Throw a trigger tech diamond in it or a Bix and Andy in it and, and fucking go, you know, chamber it, whatever flavor you want. And it, it fucking works, especially throwing in a foundation, you know, an impact and a foundation. They're basically made for each other. So they're, yeah, it's the recipe that has, you know, won a lot of damn matches and, and a lot of top fives. Speaking of that, before we yep. get going, you had a pretty successful weekend. I hear. Yeah, we, uh, so there was, uh, two local series matches last weekend, one on, 
one on, I think Saturday and one on Sunday. Um, we won both of them. Our, our barrels won both of the local series matches and out of the top 10 for the two matches together out of 20 shooters, 11 of them are running Ospreys, um, Osprey prefits, including the, the, the winners of the match. And then there was another regional match that, uh, we were second and four or five. I'm not sure if it was four or five because I know the guy was running the barrel, but I don't know if it was an Osprey or if it was an older rock creek that he had or Osprey. So out of three matches of the top 10 shooters across three matches, more than 50% of them were Ospreys and two of the three won the match. There you go, folks. Yeah, yeah. they they shoot. That's I was data, pretty happy with that. That is data for your ass. So I've got I've got my first Osprey, which is the new that the twenty eight inch Dasher barrel, and it dude it groups yep. so fucking good. It's 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 grouped yep. in tiny little groups, and they they shoot. Guys, go get you an Osprey barrel. Um. Before we get going, a uh, little announcement. I've got, if, have you ever heard of Axel Hearing Protection, A-X-I-L? You ever, have, have you heard of them? No. I don't know no. if they're a new company. They're new to me. I've never heard of them before. And then I, I, I ended up going to a website. They're pretty affordable. So they're Electronic Hearing Pro. They've got over-the-ear and they've got inner-ear. They've got some expensive in-the-ear, um, but they've got like a hundred something dollar one as well, hundred fifty dollar, two hundred dollar one. Um, that they're Bluetooth capable. I haven't really fucked with. I bought I bought an over the ear and an inner in the ear. I haven't fucked with the in the ear yet because I I got to play with the actual what are they fucking called the rubber shit that goes in your ear. I've got weird the little cup. Yeah, I got weird ear holes. Like I got weird fitment issues on my shit. So. Um, but I'm going to test those out. But I have been using the uh, over-the-ear ones a lot recently, doing load development and stuff like that, shooting three or four different barrels. Uh, and I'm going to do like a little, like my first real product review. I'm going to do a video on Instagram. So just uh, be looking out for that. I don't know. I may end up, I don't know if I'm going to keep them. I didn't, I paid for them. Like they, I straight up paid for them. They don't know me from shit. Uh, but I bought them. I'm, I may give them away. Um, I don't know yet. I'm depending on how much I like them, but I may give them away. But regardless, I am going to do a giveaway of a fucking awesome, uh, brand new, uh, AI hoodie I bought from Mile High. It is a brand new, extra large, which I'm six foot, hundred and seventy pounds, and extra large fits me perfectly. Um, and I'm going to give that away. I'm going to do like a Instagram fucking tag two friends shit or whatever. There you go. Yeah. You know, one of those. And I'm going to give that hoodie away. It's like a $50 hoodie. Um, and so yeah, keep, keep an eye out on the Instagram page. I'm trying to, you know, I guess I, I gave in, man. I gave in cause I've been no swore off social media and I still hate it, but you know, trying to just trying to grow the podcast and it, it's, we've done some good growing without social media for the past year and some change, but I think we can step it up, take it to the next level. So I'm going to try to do some stuff there and get some eyeballs and, and some ear holes and, uh, and, and move and move the podcast along, get it growing. 
So um, other than that, I don't have anything else. If you don't have anything else, dude, I appreciate you coming on tonight. No. You're always like my favorite impromptu yeah. podcast. So we talked yesterday. And we appreciate had, that. We hadn't talked in a couple of weeks or whatever, and I called you yesterday to rap to you about some, some stuff, and you're like, hey, let's do a podcast tomorrow night. I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, I, I didn't have one planned. I need to do one. So you're you're always my safe go-to. We can always talk good shit. So Sure. Um, in the fall, you're going to be coming down here, I'm sure, do some fishing, um, yep. maybe get on some, want, some good fish. Yeah, I want to try and do some bottom fishing this summer while things are still hot. Um, that action's great for the kids. Like, you know, Elijah loves catching wahoo, but he does not love the four hours in between catching two wahoo. Yeah. So, you know, bottom fishing, I have to be careful not to get my fingers stuck in the hook. He's ready to get that thing back down there and pull the next sea bass hey, up. Look, that's the one thing. That's the honey hole, dude. Like, it, like right now, the fishing really isn't good. Um, but the fishing, bottom fishing off a wreck is always good. Like, there's always, you know, yeah. type of snapper or, you know, gag grouper. Um, there's all uh, as far as what you're going to eat, but then there's also that's if you can get them past the donkey fish. Um, you know all the yep. all the AJs and stuff down there. Which hey, it's like pulling up a car hood from you know a couple hundred feet down. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, they, they fight all the way to the boat. Fucking shit, they do. So if that's yep. what you know for a kid, that's all they care about. I mean, yeah, they some like eating fish and stuff, but that's the fun part. Yeah. You know, and that that fishing's always there, um, but yeah, in the fall, hopefully the wahoo will be back biting again, some maybe some sales, and it won't be you know hot as Satan's ball bag, and we'll, we'll have a good time. So we'll, I'm sure we'll be you'll be making a trip down here for that. But um, dude, yeah, again, absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, dude. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll this is get, great. We'll get you back on again soon, buddy. But uh, until yeah. then, guys, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloads. Um, if you got anything y'all want to talk about, y'all comment or, or come over to the Instagram page. Um, it is just effing send it underscore podcast um, on Instagram. So you can find me. In fact, I think you might be able to type in my name and you might it might pop up. I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, I'll put it up and put a link tomorrow on our Instagram, too. So if somebody follows us but doesn't follow you they'll be able to find the tag tomorrow sweet all right homie yep. well i will catch, all right man i'll catch you brother thanks guys catch y'all on the flip right. yep good night